Hello friend. The Mystical American Patriot Society is transmitting to you from our secret ice fortress and laboratory high in the Swiss Alps. This is a variety program for normal sandwich eating Americans with some concerns about living in a deranged, post-Christian technocracy. Keep your third eye on the sky and your ear to the ground as Sumo and Smokestack direct your attention to a higher dimension. Are you ready? Stand by. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman <laughs> Giving all your love to just one man You'll have bad times And he'll have good times Doing things that you don't understand But if you love him You'll forgive him Even though he's hard To understand And if you love him Oh Be proud of him after all, he's just a man Stand by your man Give him two arms to cling to And something warm to come to When nights are cold and lonely Stand by your man and show the world you love him Keep giving all the love you can Stand by your man Our revels now are ended. These are actors as I foretold you. We're all spirits. And have melted into air, into thin air. And like the basis fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherit shall dissolve. And like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made on. And our little life is rounded with a sleep. Then Saul prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel, Why have you not answered your servant today? 
If the fault is in me or in my son Jonathan, respond with Urim. But if the men of Israel are at fault, then respond with Thum. Jonathan and Saul were taken by Lot, and the men were cleared. Saul said, Cast the lot between me and Jonathan, my son. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan said to him, I tasted a little honey with the end of my staff, and now I must die. We are your oracles, Ammon, Delphi, Donada, and your Apollo. You don't start anything without first consulting the birds, whether it's about business affairs, making a living, or getting married. Every prophecy that involves a decision you classify as a bird. To you, a stagnant remark is a bird. You call a sneeze a bird. A chance meeting is a bird, a sound, a servant, or a donkey. All birds. So clearly, we are your gods of prophecy. Good evening. Good How's everyone tonight? Good, good evening. Good evening. How is your uh, orthonomancy, my friends? We have two two uh, co-hosts tonight. It's true. Two, or actually three, because there's me. So we have a, we have friend. The first time we're testing out something. Yep. Which so, is a new ability to do in studio guests. Oh yeah. And so we have longtime friend of show Lanky Elvis on show. Say hello, Lanky Elvis. Hello, Lanky Elvis. You you can hear his bodily proportions in his voice. I feel like the. It's true. He is lanky. Limbs. Yeah. So may I inquire what operating system you gentlemen are using? What are you running right now? On. On our computer, it's uh, Mac OS High Sierra version ten point one three point six. Oh, uh, I wonder what I'm running. <laughs> I have Windows something, on one of my computers that's here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I have Mac something on the other one. And then maybe I have another operating system. Maybe. A little bit of a, of a, a secret. Are you like maybe. alluding alluding to something weird? Alluding, I, think, I think people in the know will have already grasped what this show is about. And if they're in the know. Well, that doesn't include Are me. You, I... <laughs> Are you? Are either of you in the know? I'm not. Are you, Lanky? Ah, it doesn't doesn't sound like I'm in the know. I'm running. Oh, okay, I, I just got my my system is so bogged down by lack of memory that it took me like that long to, for my about thing to come up on my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was wondering. Uh, so you were so just stalling. I'm running I High it. Sierra 10.13.3. Okay. Wow, well, that's which a, I think is we're pretty similar. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it's true. It says I have a MacBook Air from early 2014, which is probably correct. Okay. Anyway, uh, tonight's show, I want to discuss a few things. Uh, the main topics being, uh, I think I figured out why women like to listen to stories of other women being murdered so much. Oh, do tell. I think I cracked, I cracked the code of uh, true crime. Okay. And why it's yep. so popular? Yeah, I think I figured it out. That is all those true crime shows. It's always it's always women getting murdered. I guess women love true crime, yeah. and they, and it's most interesting if it's a woman being slaughtered. Okay, in some way. That's how you. If you run a true crime podcast or YouTube channel, don't focus on the true crime of like white collar crime or whatever. It needs to be a, a suburban woman getting her head cut off, and you will skyrocket in views. 
if every one of you could just make them up. Yeah, that checks out. I suspect a lot of them made up. So we're talking about that. I figured that out. I also, uh, I also, we're going to discuss the life and work of possibly the world's greatest software programmer that ever lived. Terry Davis. Are you familiar with Terry? No. No. Are you familiar, Lanky Elvis, with Terry? Can't say I am. Oh goodness, we are in for a treat, then, my friend, because Terry Davis created in his own mind, in his own, in his own legitimately medically diagnosed schizophrenic mind, the third temple of Judaism, which was an operating system. Are you kidding me? Temple OS. Temple OS, and you, it is free, it is open source, you can download it and try it yourself, ladies and gentlemen, and it is fairly popular, uh, because uh, Terry Davis, uh, may, he, he, was, he was insane, uh, I don't think there's any denying he was insane, he, uh, and he lived an insane life, doing insane things, but he was also, he, of, he often repeated the phrase, I am the world's most intelligent programmer, and he may have been correct, because... He did uh, something fairly remarkable in that he programmed from the ground up. And and I mean like from like, not quite, but almost the ones and zeros level. Okay. A, a, a whole operating system, uh, a programming language to write it in, his own kernel to compile it, every piece of software that ran on it, and uh, so many things with it. Which is a bit like uh, people in computer science have compared this to one man building his own cathedral by himself. This is awesome. <laughs> is he alive? He, is he still alive? Like, what's he do? When, when, he when unfortunately was, was run over by a train. Uh, <laughs> no, are you kidding me? Which he did not. No, he did not live through that. <laughs> we don't know if it was suicide. At this time in his life, he was walking back and forth in the streets, homeless. In a constant conversation with voices in his head, which he believed to be God and maybe some angels. Maybe wow. they were. I don't know. But we don't know if it was a suicide or if he was so caught up in the conversation in his head that he did not notice the train approaching. Which is also a possibility. But he was walking back and forth mumbling on some tracks and he got run over by a train in 2018. Which is sad. Uh, but it adds to the the um, the mystery and spice of his life, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> it, it, and his his very enigmatic, strange operating system that he created, which he intended to be uh, an oracle by which you could use the computer to talk directly to God. This is what Temple OS was. This I guess that I mean the name of it makes sense. Without the computer. Yeah, that's yeah. A good point. So you could he 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 basically he wanted to digitize prayer and digitize God's responses. Wow. And uh it's an interesting creation. And we're going to talk about whether it's valid or not. And if at the end of this show if we should consider perhaps creating a monastic <laughs> order around Temple OS where we uh just talk to it in its weird uh games uh, and use that as divination. I don't know. This 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 music I played at the beginning is actually written by God, according to Terry. I'll listen. You listen to it again. Uh-uh. And that goes on for about three minutes. And that's a hymn that God Himself wrote, according to Terry, using His operating system called Risen. 
Wow. So, the the computer had a lot of functionality to allow God to communicate with you through pseudo-random number generators, which could create religious artwork, responses to prayers and in- inquiries, and um, uh, and music. You could you could create uh, religious songs with it, as well as playing a first-person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Is I mean, so, do you pl- it, so is is everything in Temple OS uh, like transcendent in nature, or does it have like a word processor? Also, <laughs> no, no. In fact, all of that. So when you open it up, and we'll get more into this. When you open it up, it looks like the most catastrophic home screen you've ever seen. <laughs> it truly looks like something a man with uh, schizophrenia created. Um. Funny that everything is blue and teal on like a teal background with a white text, and there are like five scrolling tickers just randomly placed, right? And the there's no highlighting of what's selected. You just sort of have to, but you can click on it with your mouse, right? Um. And there are like three, there are spinning graphics for some reason, like the, everything is spinning and it takes a little bit to, uh, to figure out what's going on. But once you do, uh, no, not everything is transcendent. No, there is a first person shooter, as I mentioned, called, uh, Castle Frankenstein in which you, you walk around very polygonish halls shooting pink Frankenstein monsters. They're completely pink rectangle monsters. Like they have rectangle arms and rectangle head and rectangle body. And they they wobble about via their own AI system that he made up that he said because God wanted them to dance. And so they do not really attack you so much as wander about the castle dancing and you shoot them. And uh, there's a race car game. There's a, there's a financial uh, budget software. For you, there's uh, music creators. There's a there's a checkers game. There's a flight simulator in which you do not fly as a plane but as an eagle. Sweet. Yes. Um, and the the music when you play f- flight simulator, which is called Eagle Dive, <laughs> is something like this. Constantly. The entire game. Sounds kind of stressful for something that would otherwise be... It's very be stressful, but when you would watch Terry live stream this, he would like... That was his favorite one to play. <laughs> and he would... he would His his face would completely zone out as if he were in a hypnagogic trance. <laughs> With this like eagle, this first person view of an eagle flying over extremely crude polygon trees that he had made himself... Everything was made himself. Every single... Pe- the 3D rendering, all the sound, it was all homemade over the course of his life. And there was not a single input of code from anywhere else, right? So every, and, and he just zoned out to it and he would just, he would just stare into this thing flying for like 30 minutes at a time. And then he would land in the water and that's when the talons would appear, which is the only indication that it's a bird and not that you're just flying in the sky in some other way. Um, but yeah, you open it up and it has it's it was it was usually divided into three sections. It had 
there was a heading of game, fun games you could play. And then there was not fun games, which you could play. <laughs> and then At there was not games. Yeah, he was. He said I just didn't like some of the games, but I kept it. Now the most interesting game was a game called Out of Egypt, in which you play as Moses and the Israelites travel. They're out of Egypt, but they're not quite to the Promised Land, and you can do lots of strange things there, including uh, go up Mount Horeb as Moses in what looks like an MS Paint drawing uh, graphics, and sit on the mountain and talk to God, which involves you typing a question and then it can be any question you like. And Terry instructs you through the game. You must make a sacrifice of some kind in his videos. He would often just give a sacrifice of praise. Like he would in his initial introdu- introduction of the game. He, he goes up Mount Horeb as Moses and he says, you have to make a sacrifice or your prayer doesn't work as well. And then, so he said, I will, I don't know what sacrifice I will praise God for hermit crabs. I like hermit crabs. And then he would say, what is the meaning of life? I praise hermit crabs. Enter. And then a string of six strange words chosen at random would be delivered. And it was your job to interpret them. <laughs> is what God had given you. And uh, Terry lived an lived a, oh, uh, interesting life. He, at one point, uh, in, his, in his mental illness, um, could no longer keep up a job. Had to beat up his elderly father at one point. Uh, spent a fair bit of time in his last years masturbating on camera. Oh, no. Convinced he was married to a YouTube physics lady who had who never responded to him one time. And uh, thought the C- he invented the term glowies for the CIA agents who were always really? out to get him. Yeah, he's there where that comes from. That might be one of his greatest accomplishments and, you know, at the end of the day. Well, I don't don't write off Temple OS uh, because it is an interesting contribution to something. I'm not sure what. But, uh, yeah. So, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about why true crime appeals to women. But first, I wanted to speak of the latest in right-wing grifterism, uh, which is rife today. Did you hear that Gavin... McGinnis was was like taken by the FBI. Whoa! So what? Or something? Did you hear this? I I heard about it, but what I did have, you hear? I, well, so he was doing a live stream, and then somebody showed up at the studio, and were let in, and then Gavin said something about you know we can talk to my lawyer, and then walked off screen and hadn't been seen since. I'm almost positive this is a publicity stunt. I'm I'm almost positive it is too. Because Gavin is a sneaky little weasel. <laughs> he is. I, and I like Gavin, right? But you have to understand, if you want to succeed mainstream in the internet as a pundit, you have to be a sneaky little weasel. Just all of them. You have to do stunts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that... Um, because he's done this before. He claimed his he's claimed his place was raided by the FBI once before, and it was not true. Uh, he just made that up, and so I don't. And everyone was freaking out, like, "Oh, now they're rounding up the conservatives." You don't. He didn't do anything. And it's like it's not real. Yeah, guys, you know. Uh, but I wouldn't trust Gavin as far as I can throw him. Not that I don't appreciate him. He he uh, he was one of the forerunners of the hipster movement, which I you know. 
give lauds for. He would tell you he started the hipster movement. He will tell you he started the hipster movement. There may be some truth to that. Uh, and I, I appreciate him for that. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, he's, he's done some good work. Uh, he created the Proud Boys, a little questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, he did he did lots of things. And, you know, but he's also, he's just a liar sometimes. And that's okay. <laughs> I don't hold it against him, but don't get upset about it. Because he probably wasn't taken by the FBI. Another thing that probably didn't happen, or that definitely didn't happen, is the California car ban. Are you familiar with this? Um, California was going to make everybody drive electric vehicles? Yeah. So This, this can't possibly the, work, so I'm assuming it's not real, because the grid... It can't possibly... Exactly. It can't possibly work. That's the first thing you have to understand, is it couldn't possibly ever happen. Uh... I have I have a couple of friends that work in the power industry, and he showed me some of their models one time. And said, "Okay, what if ninety percent of this city had an electric car?" And it's like, "Well, it does. Well, th- then the lights go off." Yeah, because there just isn't. That's too much electricity charging, you know. And no, there's no city on earth that can handle that at the moment. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to get more electricity and maybe stuff, but no one can do it now. But I saw a lot of the uh, right wing trying to drum up bloodlust by um, being like there was this one great post and it said August 24, California bans sale of new uh, non-electric cars. August 31st, California announces rolling blackouts. Everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, see this, but... They neglected to mention that they did pass a law banning the sale of new electric cars, which doesn't go into effect until 2035. You, you mean new new combustion? New 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 combustion, sorry, yeah. Okay. It doesn't go into effect until 2035. So it doesn't it means it basically isn't real and it will get canceled by the time. Oh, of course, out. yeah. It was pure totally performative. Yeah, and I just this this uh the quote-unquote conservative side has been falling for more and more of these outrage nonsense stories. Mhm. And it's embarrassing. And um, I don't know what to do about it. I wish that people would not just... Like, okay, let's see. Gavin McGinnis, grifter, yes. I I would give him a grifter score, one out of ten, of about a six. Okay. Not too high. (laughs) Still pretty pretty grifty. Pretty grifty, but he's not, not crazy, you know, but he will make up raids of the FBI on his house. And other such things. Um, Steven Crowder. Yeah. Probably a 10. Really? Probably a 10. He's also, could it be, allegedly, uh, a raging homosexual. Well, I think that's the only way to to be really successful in alternative right-wing media is to be a raging homosexual. It's the only way. Uh, There is no way to be successful other than that. Um. But no, he, he, uh, uh, Steven Crowder, uh, grifts on everything. He steals jokes and makes them less funny. <laughs> he steals people's news material and makes it less interesting. He tries to sell coffee mugs, which do not work. And he <laughs> pretends that he lifts weights and is good at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. How do you make a mug that doesn't work? I don't, <laughs> I mean, the mug works, but you know, the, the selling. Oh, it's not the, making money. I see. Hey. That's like his whole business model forever until he until he sold out for some money to be a gatekeeper. Uh, 
Joe. Now, is is Lanky Elvis the one that is uh, the one of your pals that is very into Joe Rogan, or is that the other one? No, this is the brother of the one. Okay, yeah. That's well, so <laughs> Joe Rogan is is uh, interstellar grifter, <laughs> and again, it doesn't mean I don't like his stuff. What, what is a grifter? Like I can a never scammer. Oh, a good point. Good question. Probably scammer. What? Good Slimy guy. Okay. A grifter is a guy who 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 pretends to have a certain ideology uh-huh. to appeal to a fan base to get money, and they parrot things they don't believe okay. in order to appeal to a wider fan base. Okay. That's a general. That's a general definition of a grifter. The media is rife with them on both the left and the right wing. What does Crowder they, do that? How does Crowder do that? Uh, Crowder will has he he acts like he is an first of all he acts like he's an oppressed uh, comedian. But the first then the first problem is he acts like he's a comedian. This is true. That's the first one. He's like, I'm a comedian. Like, no, well, say something funny then. <laughs> and you can't. Yeah, he doesn't can't ever really find, say no that much stuff happening. that's funny. He just does accents that I'll give him his accents. He, and he, he does accents and he takes every opportunity possible to dress up like a woman. I thought the change my mind bits were pretty good. Yeah, they could be okay. But he's like, hey, you know what? Change my mind. And this time I'm going to do it in a dress. <laughs> Won't that own the libs? <laughs> Like, I guess, I guess, Steven, maybe. Uh, he does I, it in a dress? What? I don't, I mean, okay, no, I don't watch just, Crowder, al- but... Almost every skit he does that's like a skit, he's dressed up like a woman. For some reason. Mm, uh-oh. I don't know why. Sounds a little okay, J. Edgar just, Hoover-y. He I don't... did just have twins, though. Well. That's true. That's which true. Which he's I mean, really he, into. Know, uh, yeah, okay. The joy of being a um, father. Everyone told him it would be a waste right. of time, and it's great. You know, so he... He might not. Okay, be. well, that's, that's to that's his not, credit. Not all bad. To his None credit. of these people are all bad. You can enjoy them. It's fine. Oh, he's not funny. Joe, though. I'm so glad somebody he's else definitely said not that. Funny. <laughs> Joe Rogan is more funny than him, and Joe Rogan stopped being funny seven years ago. He had that special where he was pretty funny on uh, the Comedy Central, where he his only funny bits were talking about how animals are and what it was like to fly in a jet plane. And that was funny. Like, he'll talk about, like, how chimpanzees will rip your face off and make that pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and everything else. I don't know. He just doesn't have very good bits. Uh, but but um, he's a, definitely a grifter. He will change his opinion on the wind, whatever he thinks. Whatever he thinks will get him the most views that day will be his opinion. And is uh, I don't think that's very uncontroversial. I think he would just watch him long enough. And that's okay. He's running a business. He's doing a show business. His job is to entertain people and tell them what they want to hear. And this is not... What we're doing is not a show business. This is a show agitation. <laughs> or a show attack. Right? This is... That's why this, That's why the difference. I like show attack. That's, this is a show yeah. attack. We're here to assault your you mentally audience. <laughs> We're here to assault you mentally and emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why our show is different and also why our show does not make money. But that's yeah, okay. So um, true. Who else is there? Ben Shapiro is Oh man, um, that guy. He's one he's, he's a you know, there's two there's two types, and I don't want to be overly generalizing here, but there are in general, in general, two types of media Jews. 
which is the sodomy Jews and the war Jews. <laughs> Did you say sodomy and Jews one and of the war Jews. Jews? Is that what you just said? Yeah, there's the the war Jews. Uh-huh. They Dibs on the are, punk band name. They typically line up on the right wing side, just like what's his face uh, that does the university. Uh, oh, Prager, Will, Will, Prager, you, yeah, yeah, they all like, Will and and everything they say eventually ends in, and that's why we have to bomb the Muslims. <laughs> everything they say is like, and that's why we have to support Israel, which means bombing the Gaza Strip. That's what that means. Every time, everything they say comes to that, and that's also fine. And then there's the other, uh, the other set of media Jews who just are really into gay marriage. Again, no judgment. It just is what it is. You know, there's the one and then there's the other. And that's okay. And they sort of don't like each other. And that's fine. Um, who else do we have? Lauren Southern. Not really that high of a grifter, in my opinion. No, she's not griftery? Uh, she's a little griftery, but not too bad. Okay. She... she Women can only get so griftery, I think. Yeah, true. Women can only get so griftery. And so that's a bit of a fail. Now, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that they are having good opinions, but <laughs> they only get so griftery. So I, she's okay. Um, Stefan Molyneux, doesn't matter. He's gone. He was kicked off the face of the earth. What, what did he get so. canceled for? Uh, being, him, being bald, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Being himself. Whatever, but just uh, being annoying. Uh, he was canceled for in the in the twenty eighteen purges or whatever. They kicked him off of everything. His YouTube channel. Yeah, and I feel sorry for them. The, the guy spent like ten years doing the YouTube thing. He 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 did um, some good stuff over the years. I used to watch him back in the day. He did some good mm-hmm. stuff. He he was he was a, Steph, he was, this is Stefan Molyneux. He, he's yeah, a little before he, your time, he, Lanky. He he was a YouTube guy. Did uh, you know sort of like. Conservative libertarian think pieces. Is that how you would describe mm-hmm. Molyneux? I mean, I think he's still out there doing it. He just he's you know banished. He described himself as an atheist philosopher with right wing opinions who had proven ethics without without reference to a transcendent other, and he called this proof universally preferable behavior, and it was it was. It was nonsense. <laughs> and he couldn't understand that because he was like, well, it's universally pre- like, but it isn't though. No. What if I don't want to do that? Yeah. That was the, that was the, that was the, the, um, response that anyone could be like, but I don't want to. It is you always know? so cringe True. when atheists try to do transcendent ethical arguments. Yeah. Or, never or not, it's or impossible. any sort of ethical argument. They can't do it. Yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all impossible. utilitarianism. It's a- it doesn't work. He wasn't. A, he now to be fair to him, he was. He he is. He was a fairly honest fellow and yeah. did not. I don't think he was a high grifter at all. I'd only give him like a one or two. Um, he would get mad when people wouldn't donate. But <laughs> well, you know, that you doesn't know, sound he's got to make money somehow. Yeah, I was about to say, it's pot huh. calling the kettle black, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, exactly. He got to make money somehow. Yeah. He didn't. He he didn't monetize his YouTube channel ever, so he was run strictly on donations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's fine. I, he was generally okay. Um, I can't think of any other big right-wing people anymore. I don't think... I think they all went away. 
Milo, huge grifter, mm-hmm. but it, but entertaining. Yeah. And then it was on QV, Catholic QVC for a while. And then I think he, I think he may have been dating a woman last I heard. Good for him. After he, after he married a black guy and then didn't anymore. I don't know. His life went a little weird. Um, uh, is there anyone else? Is there anyone else in the grift in the great grift? Because the grifting has been so high lately. Like just just before the show, I was looking at people were freaking out. Go where, ahead. Where would uh, where would have Rush Limbaugh fallen had he still been alive? Rush Limbaugh was the king of grifters. Okay, <laughs> because I, I was thinking all these guys you listed were weeping yeah, and gnashing their teeth ra- when he yeah. passed. So. Rush Limbaugh. Made his living pretending to... This is what they all do. This is the definition of a grifter, by the way. Is This is a better definition. Uh, someone that pretends to offer up a fight in the political arena, but actually offers no um, tangible resistance to anything ever. They just, they, just, they just rouse people up and get them mad and take their money. Trump, Trump and Co. is a good example of this. <clears throat> Alex like, Jones. Oh, oh. My house was made raided by Marlago. It was raided by the FBI. Marlago, Marlago. Hey guys, Marlago was raided. And then all what I got in response for that was an email that said, "Are you mad? Send money." <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all that came of it. Yeah. Is an yeah. email that's like, "Are you angry?" It didn't even say about anything. It was just like, "Are you angry? Send money." Yeah, I never thought about. <laughs> How many of those it, letters I've got? You get so many of those, and, they, and, and leftists love to do that too. Like, oh no, the migrants! Give me money, I'll help them. And then you don't because if you do, then you can't do that next time. And so you just let them continue to be in squalor. And th- their favorite thing is when uh, people on the right push back against abortion because then they're like, women's rights are being give me money, and they love that. It's a it's. It's a great thing to get if you can do it. Well, that that was my beef with Limbaugh is that there were certain issues he wouldn't talk about because they were unprofitable and shrank his audience, and and yeah, and exactly. or or uh, upset the Bush family. And I'm yes. thinking specifically of abortion because the Bush family was all up in Planned Parenthood. Prescott Bush, uh, George Bush Senior's father, was the treasurer of Planned Parenthood when it started. So the Bush family yeah. was all up in that, and and Rush Limbaugh loved and adored the Bushes and would never say anything bad about them, no matter how evil they were. And and his adoration of the Bush family was so complete that he wouldn't even talk about abortion on his so-called conservative show. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was, and, you know, and they're just there. To, and he would also, like, go to Thailand and be photographed in in Thailand with, like, uh, a pocket full of Viagras, just walking around shirtless. What? That's news because, to me. What? Oh yeah, he he was a conservative guy who was who was millions of dollars, never had any children, and liked to go and uh, have sterile sex with hookers in Thailand. Yikes! Because of course, of course, that's who the leader must be. The leader must be that sort of person, and it's always that way, and that's okay. Well, what are so-called because, conservatives supposed to do if there's nothing left to conserve? Just right. grift, baby. You just, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta get them mad, and then you harvest them anger money. Yeah. You just milk them like little angry cows. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then the money it's just a comes. Beautiful out. image. Like you just, 
you agitate them, and then they just like, that's why they freak out so much about uh, adrena, um, adrenochrome because it's true, both the conspiracy theory probably, but also it's sort of done to them. Yeah, they get their adrenaline raked up and they just get milked. Give me that money, <clears throat> and it works all the time. Uh, it's never failed. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, huge grifter, same thing. Oh, yeah. He had yeah. his. He was given his orders about the things he could be outraged about and the things he could never touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he 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 never broke line, ever. And that's how it always goes. And I just wish, um, it would be helpful if conservatives could break out of that, but I don't think that they will because it's too much fun to get mad. Yeah, it's, it's much, part of it's our it's fun. part of our like protest culture thing. Yeah, it's the protest is everyone has to get outraged, and then uh, and then nothing happens. Like this is why you shouldn't get when Biden's up there going, "I'm gonna ban the this and the that and the mega terrorists." Like, yeah, okay, but nothing ever happens, and mm-hmm. he just is. That's just milking people's rage. Yeah, on every side. That's all it is, and um. That's Not really funny to think of. If you can be scammed, you deserve to be. Because uh, it teaches you lessons. The, the, the point about the adrenochrome conspiracy being um, like an analogy for the American political money machine is it's pretty profound, the more I'm thinking about it here. Yeah, that's how it works. See, everything is everything. Everything is fractal. And that's how, that's how it works. And it, it rings true. It, it resonates with people because... They know it's happening to them, and so they assume it's probably happening on a deeper level to somebody else. Um, are you mad? Give we just just send emails like that. <laughs> Everyone on our Gumroad thing, we just send an email saying, "Are you mad? Send money." And then Sumo has been abducted by the FBI. Are you mad? Send money. <laughs> and it that could be the greatest thing. I could just pretend to have been. I could pretend. That the CIA broke into my house and assassinated me with an AR-47. See, here's the... Which is a new gun they made up. It's a cross-screen yeah, AR-47. I was about to say, you just made that gun up. It's a um, new gun they made up. The, here's the problem. You, you've set yourself up for a disaster because now the FBI can raid you and kidnap you. Mm. And I can get on the air and beg people for money to help find you. And everybody will think it's a gag. And you're going to languish You're gonna languish in in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, with, I'll be sitting in Gun- Guant- Gitmo with a bag over my head going, this bit went too far. Robert's yeah. probably dialing numbers now. Yeah. I'm like, uh, this bit went too far. But, uh, you know, the show must go on. If it's, you know, for the content. So okay. be it. I mean, I, I should hope that if anyone on this broadcast goes to Gitmo, it is Lanky Elvis. <laughs> but if it's, you know. he's He's nodding in thoughtful agreement right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he. I think it would grow him as a person. Yeah, I think it would to too. To be to have a bag over his head in a dark room with loud music shouted at him, while some uh, skinny woman in fatigues pours water on his face. Yeah, it sounds just so scarily close to high school punk <laughs> clubs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what it is. I think. I really think that it was. You know how when you join a fraternity. There's like hazing. Yeah. And Gitmo is sort of how America hazes new ethnic <laughs> So 
the Muslims come in and you have to pour water on their head and keep them up all night. And then now you can come in. And it's fair. It's just hazing, guys. You can't join yeah, America just, just until hazing. you take a little grief. Yeah. It's just hazing. You're right. And and so uh, I don't I don't know, you know, when the when the Solomon Islanders start coming over in mass, we'll have to put bags on their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you build community. That's how you build community. And the great thing about it is, after you go through hazing, everyone knows you get to do it next time. So all the Muslims mm-hmm. will be putting the bags on the heads of the Solomon Islanders. Mm-hmm. And they'll be playing, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, oh, la, la, while they, you know, squirt them with super soakers. And what the founding fathers would have wanted. It sounds like a good time. Circle. It does, doesn't it? I think I think it would be good. But yeah, but uh, they kind of get I better at just that? recognizing different disinformation. Like, there was this, before I got on the show, I was looking and people were freaking out. They're like, oh, you're discriminating against white people, hurry. I'm so, I think this is, because Bank of America was like, we are going to um, allow new loans, mortgages, for black and brown families that have no down payment, and uh, you don't require a minimum credit score. Wow. And everyone everyone was like, oh, white mm. people just got to suffer. You know? Oh man! Um, are you we still lost there? Sumo. Is this what it's like when the Jesuits? Hold attack? on! Dude. Yeah, this is a Jesuit dude, attack dude, right dude, dude. now. You're living it, Lanky. So Sumo's feed has been cut. Probably the power's out at his house, and he's floundering around in the dark trying to get the backup generators going. I mean, you seem pretty cool about it. Well, you know what happens a lot. There he is. Yeah, look at that. What a lawyer. Are you mad the CIA cut off our broadcast? Send money. Send money. <laughs> Send money. No, I don't just like Slack just crashed. I don't it does that. Anyway, yeah, they, and they were like, but that's not true though. If you read the article, which no one does, it says anyone can apply for these loans that have no down payment and need no credit score. It's just that they are going to be Offered in geographic areas, which are predominantly uh, black and brown areas. Right. But if you're white, you can do it. If you want to buy a house in the ghetto, go for it. You don't need any down payment. And um, so basically, they're going to they're going to like that. They're going to blow the price. They're going to blow the pricing on housing in the ghetto through the roof. Mm-hmm. So that what? What's the end game? I don't get it. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the end game is, other than they're insane. I think they want. This is exactly what happened before the 2008 mortgage crisis. Yeah, just I mean, it wasn't racialized, it's the, but yeah, it's, it's just the same thing. Free, basically, free loans for everybody. Free loans for everybody, and this this time they said we'll do free loans for everybody who lives in an area which is majority black or brown, and then and then. Uh, profit question mark question mark yeah. question mark the thing is but, it's not it's not free loans they're not correct me if i'm wrong they're not interest free they're just no, they're no, just no. zero it's down just payment requir- so it's it like it doesn't matter what your credit score is we're 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 gonna allow people to get into debt that they cannot pro- that probably has pay. a high interest rate that yeah, they can't right. that they can't pay and then mm-hmm. when they quit paying it they're gonna foreclose on the house uh and then right. the bank will own 
the ghetto, basically. So this might just be a way for the bank to take possession of the ghetto because uh, everything is just about getting seizing up property. Yeah, they're they're gonna. They're, I guess yeah. they're gonna assume that these these low interest loans are gonna be defaulted on, and they'll they'll eventually own enough of the ghetto where they can redevelop it and make a bunch of money. It's a way to make the theft of people's property seem noble because you're doing it for social justice. Mm. Which is a great grift. That's a fantastic one. That's a that's a hundred out of ten. And everyone will fall for it because like we're making it easier for black and brown people to own homes. And all that means is we're giving them mortgages on these homes they cannot possibly ever afford because we're not gonna check their credit score or anything and ask for no down payment. And then most of them are going to default, and then we're just going to gobble it up. And hooray, we got more of the uh, landmass of America under our belts. Right. Like, if they could if they could afford to pay a mortgage, they would have gotten one. Like a regular right. one. You know? Right. There's a reason they don't have one now. And it, right. Because they're too poor and, for the payments. And so uh, everyone in the, in, the, in the news article was like, oh, so white people just can't. Remember, I want to. I want to be. Uh, I want to be loan shark too, because I'm white. You know, and it's unfair that I don't also get. This taken is this is uh, this is very similar to the student loan forgiveness beef that yeah. we talked about last week. Very, it's very similar, except sort of it, inside out version of it. Yeah, the inside out version of it, and everyone should just we we. I must become czar and and ma- manually go through by gun and take smartphones out of people's hands. It's not. <laughs> is it the smartphones? Just, is that is that where all this is rooted? The internet in general, but smartphones because they because no one. If I took away the smartphones, they would go outside a little bit. Yeah, because you can't just sit in front of. Maybe you could. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. If that doesn't work, I'll have to advance the phase two, which is confiscate all computers and replace them with things that are only run Temple OS. Now you're talking. Because everyone uh, is just on these, is just constantly milking them for their anger and their frustrations. And I think that the only just thing to do as ruler would be to to take them away at gunpoint. I would say I am giving you all the guns you want, but I am taking the the smartphones. They are no longer allowed, and that would be for the health of the population. It really is like allowing a drug to just run wild. Yeah, it is. It absolutely it's, it's, is. It's 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 no good. Anybody and with kids, when, anybody with kids knows this. When I am czar, I will take them away, and the people will be mad, and I will have to kill some of them with my army. It's uh, fair. Not that I want to. It just is, but they will then thank me. They will then thank me. Do you after mean the, they, the after survivors? After they elected me king, then I will have to do war on some of them, and then they will thank me. That's how I envision the future. Bold leadership. Anyway, I figured out it. I figured out. Um, I figured out. What'd you call it? Women. I figured them out. It's about time somebody solved, did that. <laughs> I solved the. I solved all of the incel woes. I, I figured out the manosphere debates. Mm-hmm. I I discovered uh, the. I, I understand feminism. I get it. <laughs> I got it. Because I figured out why women like to watch other women be slaughtered. And I realized in a flash of insight that it is because they are paying homage to the female version or the female pole 
of the of the virtue of honor. What? Female honor. It's getting slaughtered. Uh, well, no, no, I figured it out. And it's 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 that song I sung. Stand by your man. Okay. Like, okay, I figured it out. I was I was because I was uh, my wife and I went on a trip, and after we had gone out for the day. It was late at night. We were lying in the bed in the hotel and we were watching, turn on the TV. And for some reason, this show, are you familiar with the show Forensic Files? No. Is this like a true crime thing? It's like a true crime thing, but it's like a true crime thing from 1996. Why it was playing on the, the cable TV in 2022, I don't know. Except that um, maybe maybe it's still running. I think maybe it started into, but but no, because all of the um, all of the uh, footage was very nineties. Okay, like the people had nineties hair. The camera quality was nineties, and the storylines were very nineties, like the murders. And it was about the and there, we watched a couple of them, and I couldn't figure out why this was on, except I except I guess someone at history channel was like you know what's good right now is true crime do we have any in the archives and like yeah they put that back on (laughs) it worked great because we sat there and watched it right printing money baby printing money you know so um but there was a couple of them on there one one was this woman who whose husband had been wrongly accused of murdering her mother and she did not believe it they had DNA evidence. They had everything. But she said, no, my husband would never do that. Never kill my mother. And she spent 14 years, I think, being her own, like, Sally Rogers detective. And she would, like, flirt with men in the city and get their, like, napkin with their lip with their saliva on it and de- pay for it to be DNA tested herself. Okay. Until she found someone whom, whose DNA actually matched more perfectly the DNA at the site than her husband's. Or something to this effect. Okay. And she, she tracked him down. She did all these things. She found out he was prior. He had had prior murders and all this stuff. And she tamed, found out he was, he was actually in the jail with her husband for killing someone else. And they, and they eventually she was, she... She got all the evidence together, gave it to the judge, and uh, they got her husband free. Wow. And uh, another one we watched, and this is the one that led to my insight, was a woman was, they lived on a horse farm, and one day while she was tacking the horses, her husband came up behind her and hit her in the back of the head with a hammer. Oof. Which is not a great feeling. Man. And you know what that woman did? She went to the hospital and said the horse kicked her in the head. Wow. Wasn't my husband. Wasn't him. And then uh, she came home, back home, stayed with her husband for a year and a half. And she called her sister and she told her, listen, if I die, he killed me. That's what she said. If I die, it's because he killed me. And she wrote a letter. She wrote a letter that was two pages long telling people about their situation. She said, if I am found dead, my husband murdered me. And she signed it 
and she put it in the cabinet. She told her sister where that letter was. She said, if I am killed, you tell the police to look in that armoire in the thing. And I made a little hidden space and it's right there. She said, okay. And one day her husband did go and shoot her in the head twice and put the gun by her and claim it was a suicide. Right. The whole twice thing and, is a problem. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to fake a suicide, don't do it. I don't, but anyway, um, and so that immediately raised questions that are going through, like, who killed her? He, he said, I just found her there, you know, and so it's it feasible someone broke in and killed her, but they didn't. Anyway, anyway, I was watching this and I sort of, I, I sort of came out of the shower halfway through the story and I said, I lied down a bit. I said, wait a minute. Her husband, she's, she was still with him after he hit her in the back of the head with a hammer and tried to kill her. And my wife said, she slept in a different room. <laughs> and I went, but she, and she said, she was trying to stay together and hold the family together. And that's when it clicked for me why these women, because it, it is women admiring the female version of honor, which is to self-sacrifice, even at the expense of your own life, to hold... The relationships of those you love together. Oh man, yeah. And that is why that because they are they they listen to these things with a mixture of horror but also admiration. Like, not and, and just like men with the male version of honor, not all of them do it. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are capable or think it's valuable to do. But a fair number of women will listen to these stories and say, "She did it." In their own minds, they're like, "She did good." Yeah. She she stood by her man and her family, even though she was going to be killed. And she was willing to try and work it out, and even unto death. And that, that is, that, like, people wonder why women stay with abusers mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's, it is, it is the female call to the virtue of honor. They don't go fight in war, generally. They don't. Uh, go fight the lions. But this is their this is their lion that they fight. If they have uh, their job, it's like Beauty and the Beast. Is they have a beast in the house. And it's their job to tame him and to make the household safe. And if they have to die to do that, some of them consider that their their ass their justly asked sacrifice. And because my wife was listening to all this, like she was like aghast, but also understood where this woman was coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I clued in that men don't really understand the female version of honor. I don't even know if women quite understand the female version of honor because they don't phrase it in those terms. But women are willing to, now again, not all of them, obviously, but women are willing to um, endure incredible things to try and hold together a family. And that's why Tammy Wynette sang that song, Stand By Your Man. And that was like the hit song of her generation. It's the most famous song she was ever she ever did. They played it for decades, like almost every day on the country song. It's like I think that was recorded in the 60s, and they played that through the 90s every day. And it's because that speaks to a, women, a woman's felt calling about what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to be a helper. And they're like, 
unto death. And that makes you admire women a little bit more, I think, when you understand that. And also the the kind of the inverse of that is is analogous to cowardice. So, uh, you know, a woman that won't take up that virtue is something like a, what we would think of a man being a coward. Yeah, but I see, I think it gets lost because women don't translate it with the same verbiage. Yeah. Um, but they do feel, and I don't think women shame other women for their decisions. It's like there's a, there's a, if a group of men and there's one a coward, because it's not a group action. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Male honor is a group action and you stay with your platoon mm-hmm. unto the death. Right. But the female one is a, is a very individual one. And so while they will understand when someone chooses to do it and even looked at that with, with admiration, there isn't a judgment when they don't. Okay. Uh, except they will judge themselves when they don't. Interesting. And, and that's, and that's, um, and, and truth be told, that's, I think not again, not all, but that's a lot of, I know that most divorces are initiated by the the wife, mm-hmm. but I think if you look a little deeper into that, a lot of those are where the husband has expressed that he wants her to leave, maybe angrily, maybe sadly, maybe in a, in a tirade. And to a many women's mind, if your man asks you to go, it's like, well, I have to go. And I know that sounds a little weird, hmm. but that is the vibe I've gotten from talking to a lot of, not a lot, but a few divorced women, is that they were like, well, you know, um, it was like the commander said, abandon ship. And so we abandoned ship. And I think, I think when, you, when you understand that about women... It helps with, because, you know, the online world is filled with both a lot of female worship and, and also female hatred. Yeah, true. It's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that helps, like, because there's a, there's a segment of the manosphere that'll be like, women have no honor, they don't, you know, there's no virtue, but that's not true. They just have a different system. And when you understand it and understand the links they're willing to go to fulfill that virtue, like sleeping in the same room with in the same house as the guy that hit you in the head with a hammer and covering it up for him because you want to hold the family together and not hurt your children by, you know, breaking up. Uh, that is, you know, you can appreciate that. Yeah. Even if it's, even if you think that wasn't a good idea, mm-hmm. you're like, she, she went down with the ship. You know, that's what the women, the women watching true crime are th- sort of thinking that like she went down with a ship salute. And that's why true crime is, that's why true crime appeals to so many women. I figured it out. And that's also why you shouldn't be, uh, the, the online incel sphere should learn to not hate women as much because women, that's why they are so selective among who they're going to date. Because they, when they pair up with someone, they feel a calling like, okay, and this, if he wants to kill me, I'm still sort of here. And that's a big commitment. Interesting. But do you, I and mean, is this, is this something that's conscious? Like, do women think about this or is it just sort of? 
I think they I think they do think about it to level. some degree, but I think it's also subconscious. Okay. Um, just like just like a lot of male honor is subconscious. Like I don't think a lot of guys in the army think about the concept of honor per se. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to be looked down upon by their friends. Or they want to do the right thing. Yeah. Or they want to be there for their platoon. Like, you know, my brother in arms is down. I need to go get him. Mm-hmm. And I think women feel a similar thing amongst family ties um, to their husband and their children and, and so forth. And that, and again, it's a much more insular and individualized thing. But that same virtue is there. It's just expressed in a different sphere and on a different level. And, um, I think if men understood that, they would understand women a lot more. Because women will sit with insanity for their whole lives. Like, they will have a, a man that's a drug addict, an abuse, and they'll be like, I have to, I have to stay. You know, and I know, again, people are like, but I don't know this. I know, I know. And just like everything else virtuous, the culture tries to destroy that. They attack Tammy, Tammy Wynette for her song. Ruthlessly. Really? Hillary, Hillary Clinton famously in, like, in the 90s got up there and she's like, I'm not some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. Ooh. You know? That's catty. It was, that was famous. I mean, just like they want to destroy all virtue... They want to destroy that kind of virtue, but nonetheless, it is still present, and women still feel drawn towards that. And I think that is why they watch true crime. I think that is that explains why they stay with people that are objectively dangerous to them, especially like physically dangerous to them for a long time. Yeah, often, I think that explains. A lot about female behavior because it is like when they connect and commit to a, a man, they're like, "Well, I'm I'm connected." Can can and, can this knowledge um, be helpful to young men seeking a spouse and like identifying a woman who may have like short circuited or rejected that instinct within herself? So like how do you how do you tell when a woman knows this about herself and chooses to chooses to like deny deny those those characteristics of of loyalty and basically be you know be a dishonorable woman or uh, Yeah, yeah, like um I mean I would I would think I would think somebody expressing no like a desire to pointedly not have children uh, or at least for a long time, I think that might be, that might be an indicator uh, that it, on, at true, some level, you know, uh, at some level, she's decided she's going to kill that part of her. That's true, but you know, even that, um, and people don't want to believe this because see, it gets spun as that women have no agency, and that isn't true. Women do have agency, mm-hmm. and they choose, and these like they choose to stay, and like, but they also like. And some women will not like hearing this, and some, but it's fine. Everyone chill. But there is also in women like this thing of like, I, like they, they, there's, I don't think, again, I don't think they would verbalize it this way, but there's a feeling like our family is a ship and my husband is the captain. Mm-hmm. Even if they would hate to say that, they still feel it. Yeah. And if he doesn't want kids, I'm going to justify to myself that that's not what we need. 
And I, I know people don't like to hear that because men don't like to hear it, but, but if you, if, if men in general largely wanted children more, much of the push antinatalism of, among women would also go away. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Because women are followers and by nature, mm-hmm. and they are supposed to be. It's true. Because they're supposed to be help helpmates. And they will. It's like, well, our cap, my captain is saying we do this. And yes, sir. It's a very sort of family style militarism. That when you when you view it, I mean, it was it was expressed so deeply, like in pagan culture, sometimes, you know, like C.S. Lewis would talk about the virtuous pagans who could could convert to Christianity because they were so good. Um, Who like uh, in in India or in Germany, sometimes when a husband would die, the woman would throw herself on the funeral pyre. Yeah, because it was like, you know, I'm going down with the ship. Mm hmm. Salute. And a lot of that, people think of that as like, it's spun as like, this is the patriarchy. Look how bad it was. A lot of that was voluntarily done and enforced by other women. Like, this is the honor code among us. Yeah. And um, so there is honor amongst women and there is an honor code. It's just different from the male honor code and doesn't have the same verbiage. But it's that same virtue. And they... I think, I think that's, this is, and this, this primarily more than anything is why the hookup culture is so bad because it destroys a woman's ability to trust a man to do that and to be someone she can commit to. Because if she tries with like one and he breaks up with her after several, women don't like to be, don't like to have hookup partners generally. They like to be monogamous. And if you, if they like, oh, I think I got something going with this guy. And then he ghosted me after three months. Huh. Okay, this one though, this one, and then he goes to me after seven, and then this one, and then it's like, oh, there's no, there is no, there is no captain worth following. You know. Oh, so it's kind of like a big screw you to the world, to to. It's like a big screw you to the world, and this yeah. this really harms women's ability to pair bond in a way that it it maybe doesn't a man's mm-hmm. as much because it's not the same thing, and um. So I I totally understand why hookup culture has made women more jaded towards men because um yes it's I I don't want to be like one of these people that say women have no agency and no responsibility they do but also intrinsically uh men have a leadership role yeah and when and women will, in general, follow that lead. And so, you know, if if men in general have been pushing their women to to do birth control pills for generations, mm-hmm. and then and then of course women are going to be like, well, I don't know if I want to have kids because all the leadership's like, no, maybe that's not good. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. And so, I really, I think, I think the true crime thing and understanding why a woman would stay with a man after he hit her in the head with a hammer, and that's not rare, is the thing. Like, that kind of behavior among women is very common. It's a well-known psychological thing that women will stay with violent men who abuse them, and people wonder why. And it's like, well, that's, you know, I'm going down with the ship, and that's, 
the the female version. And you and and I'm not saying that's good or bad or that she should or whatever, but that's I think that's why it happens. And that helps. I think that'll help. I think if if people in the online sphere understand that, then we can negate a lot of this female hatred, which isn't good. Because I think that they think that women are just. Because there's this thing like, oh, women are so picky, they only go for the top bits of men. It's like, yeah, they do only try to go for they they want a high quality man because they they know that like like they're they they want someone they can die with and for if necessary. It's not as casual as it is for a man to do. You know, like a, a man can have a casual hookup and it doesn't really hurt. It doesn't really. It's like okay, well. But it's and so there is a difference, and it's not because women are bad, it is because they want to do something very good. Your service has been temporarily disconnected. Three, two, one, action. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to report that we had a, an incident. We had to take a break. It turned out uh, Linky Elvis was actually a Soros sleeper cell who tried to sex traffic smokestack to Little St. James Island. Uh, it was very violent, and uh, we just cut it out because we didn't want uh, our listeners to have to hear all of that that happened. And he has been uh, dealt with. Uh, he is he is now dead. Um, and we can continue in peace. How are you okay, Smokestack? I- I'm okay now. Um, I'm going to think twice before having another in-studio guest, I can tell you that. I, this puts a big damper on the idea of having Godward in there. He may also be uh, yeah. a sleeper cell agent. We I was thinking sure. about old Godward, you know, because he's around. <laughs> he's nearby. Yeah, he's around, do you, but... Do you but think he, if we had him in on the show... Would, do you think he'd try to traffic me also? I don't know. You know, at some point you get so big and dangerous to the establishment that you can't, you have to be wary, you know, yeah. if anyone is an agent. Yeah. Because every, everyone could be an agent at this point. It's, that's why, and that's why originally when I began this, I had to make a clone because I had to make someone, uh, the only way I could trust anyone was if they were actually from a tube in my garage. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so it it's been difficult and I've ran into this problem before. This is why um the previous podcast, the Mysterious Nationalism show uh from 2013 to 2015 had to end. Wait, you had a, you had a pre- you had a previous podcast? Be, well, be, before the clones because in the in the previous era uh there was a lot of information released and it we were really knocking on some doors we shouldn't have knocked on, to be honest. I've had to tone it down quite a bit in so you, this revamp show because I had to change my entire identity, you know, uh, join the Witness Protection Program that uh-huh. I myself made up because the FBI is actually against me. So I have my own Witness Protection Program set up. Uh, are, are copies, of this, are copies my, of this prior show still out there? I mean, is it? They're floating around somewhere on the dark web. I'm, I have it on good authority that... that um, well, I don't want to say too much, but uh <laughs> friend of show who you've never seen before, Wolfgang. Okay. Uh, 
Wolfgang was a previous co-host of mine, uh-huh. and on the um, on the on the last program, and he has gone into hiding too. And in order to keep things safe, uh, to keep us both safe, and everyone that we know, we have not had that. We have not been able to have contact with each other in probably eight years. Wow. Uh, except through very, except through, uh, the only time, the only way we've been able to have contact is we send uh, notes in uh, Bitcoin exchanges that you can see on the wallets when you when you look at the exchange, and that's and even that we have to we have to encode using our previous code names, and so uh, it's been a long time since. Uh, but there's actually been I I actually before this I had. I had, let me see, three separate other podcasts in the past that people uh, probably don't know about. And most of them, I think, have probably been wiped from the internet. But in one of my Bitcoin communications with Wolfgang, he did say that he had preserved most of the shows um, on a secure file, a secure server somewhere that was only accessible via the dark web. But then then I lost track with him. I'm not sure if the uh, Jesuits got to him or not yet. I hope to see him one day in the future. Man. Well, Wolfgang, if you're so listening... This is, uh, wait, wait, wait. I want to shout Wolfgang yeah. out here for a second. This is important mm-hmm. to me, you know, as a creative person. Wolfgang, if you're out there listening, mm-hmm. I, I hope you're proud and, of And what. as a creative person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That too. Well, Wolfgang, I hope you're proud of what I'm doing with the show. I'm trying to carry on your legacy, even though I've just I'm just now hearing about you for the first time. Uh, I wish you well. I feel like we yeah. have a deep deep yeah. connection. Well, the, so the 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 that was, I talked about the show that existed. The one that existed prior to that was a very I tried a different tack, and that it was a science based show that was very normie friendly, and then I would insert little little like quibbles of doubt oh into interesting the, into the right just like but we don't really you know that you know not as not as aggressive with it as i am on this show uh-huh. uh, and that worked quite well for a long time um but then i but then i because it was a technical thing i also uh gave out very technical reasons why a thing couldn't work and that actually triggered the eye of sauron a little more mm, uh, which yeah. you wouldn't think is little because i would be like you know this actually mathematically couldn't happen. And then people were like, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm just, I'm just saying I've lived many lives and I thought Linky Elvis could be trusted. But once again, my heart has been crushed. Yeah. He had a bag over my head and everything. I mean, I had to, it was a brutal battle for my freedom. He, it was a brutal battle for your freedom. And I, this wouldn't be the first, the first clone I've lost to sex trafficking, to be honest. It's because, I mean, Epstein was really interested. He's been really interested in that technology because if you just clone people to be sex slaves. Yeah. I mean, that's like the holy grail of human trafficking, isn't it? Um, so there have been a lot of people after after my underground network, me and all that we've accomplished. But we still may, we still go on. And I'm so I and I I did hate that you had to kill Anki Elvis, but he was a good guy, you know. Well, he wasn't though. We thought he well, was. well, we thought he was. Then it turns out he was. was yeah, you know, but I, you know, I don't know. He may be. Maybe he was MK Ultra. Maybe he wasn't even in, aware of what he was doing. It's hard to say. You know, that's I'm going to choose to believe that he was just brainwashed, and somebody said his trigger word, and things went downhill from there. I, 
And I think he attacked then because I was finally wrapping up. I, I like I said, I might be the only, I, I may be the greatest philosopher because I just figured out women. I mean, that would right? put it's, you right there in the top tier of philosophy. Right there. And I you mean, know, I typically philosophers don't know anything about women. I mean, historically speaking. No. Um, and so I think that's why. But yeah, so that's the thing is that women are just to wrap up. I don't quite know exactly where we ended because. It was so chaotic. Uh, and I actually, I mean, I'm actually, if this, I sound different now, I'm actually recording in a different location because that's how I actually had to. And we're on a different day. Yeah. And it is a whole thing. The whole thing. Uh, I've made some changes here in the studio so, too. Just, I, I want to kind of give people a little uh, window, little uh, theater of the mind thing going here. So I've set up a microphone to catch the outside atmospherics. So you'll hear some crickets and some nighttime noises going tonight thought it might enhance the mood oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And also I found Yeah, um, I hear it. Do you hear the Okay, good. If it sounds good, I'll leave it in. Yeah. Um and it then It sounds good. Also I found I found a, I a, actually thought it was me. I did, I thought that was me because it is actually I am also in an outdoor location at the moment and it is also raining on me. Are you kidding me? But then this I is realized great. No, but then I looked I looked up and like I realized like there's nothing above me that would be making that specific sound. I'm under more of like a tarp setting that would be making more of a soft, like I like my, my sound is not your sound. Oh, so, see, I've got crickets. I've got, I've got the, and I don't night, have the crickets. nighttime critters going. Yeah. So I don't know what to, but anyway, I just figured out women. You're welcome to everyone. Women do have a sense of honor. <laughs> there is a thing. There is a, uh, it's it. Yes. Women. It, it it is infantilizing a bit to women, but also like they do follow the the way that men go. So it's really not entirely their fault for all the things. But yeah, yeah. So we figured it out. Hooray! I think I'll flesh out what I was saying about the woman question in a blog post to come. That way it'll be because I know this got broken up by the sex trafficking. Yeah, attack. you should you should do that. That'll be a great post. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you in the meantime. Uh, in the meantime, you had some you you discovered some more things about your 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 nitrogen um, yeah and and I, fertilizer I, and and in the meantime, uh, Russia shut off the pipeline for good or yeah. for now. It, it really so, there's a lot of uh, events happening that are adding some color to this idea here. And it mm-hmm. before before Lanky Elvis tried to to kidnap me and send me to Epstein's Island, uh, we were having a conversation about that, and I I kind of realized I needed to to go back go back round through it. One more time, because the ideas have developed a little bit more and events have developed a little bit more. And I think we've talked about maybe last episode how, you know, at some at some level, NATO and BRICS are fighting each other. Uh, but on another level, I think certain uh, parties on both sides are working together. And yes, I think the way you can see that is in um, the, the natural gas uh, energy trade history of the last several years going back through like 2019 so i want to go briefly i want to kind of run through them yeah yeah yeah. For real. run through the yeah, idea because, here uh, because... as we've said before there is a global conspiracy and on one level they are all operating together however on another level they are actually adversaries right but both, 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 both things and. are happening and if you if you can get this in your head straight it really helps you understand current events and it really yes. it really clarifies things. So this is a great like we're living this example right now. So uh, back it up. We're going to back it up to to 2019 first. In 2019, um, a, a, 
a company called Venture Global LNG came on the scene and started raising money to build nat gas liquefaction uh, and export terminals in the U.S. Gulf. So these are enormous facilities costing billions of dollars. Um, you have to pipe gas in, uh, chill it down to negative 250 Fahrenheit, put it into gigantic insulated tanks and, and load it onto insulated ships. Can you not hear me? No, I heard you. You just dropped that for a second. Continue. Oh, okay. And they, they, they have to store it in tanks and, and put it in ships. And this is such an energy-intensive operation that there, one of these terminals has five gas-fired power plants. That they're power, huge. They're, they they are huge, and I'll I'll link it in the show notes again, and you guys. It can looks just, like it looks like a base from Star Wars. It, no, it, it seriously does. Um, yeah, it's I crazy. really encourage you guys to just look at the scale of these projects. This this one plant, Calcasieu um, Terminal, that's that's just now coming fully online. It I think it started uh, shipping uh, a few months ago. It did its first shipments of LNG, um, but it's. It's incredible what they've built uh, to the point where it there are five, not one, but five power plants powering this thing. So they 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 pipe gas in the power plants are run on gas. They they run the refrigeration units that chill this gas down to negative 250 ish uh, until it condenses and then turns into a liquid uh, very low volume can, compared to its gas state. Uh, and then it can go into tanks and, and go onto these insulated ships and be shipped all over the world. In a, in, so there's like this cryogenic, which is which is currently this the Calcasieu and facilities like it are currently Europe's only hope of not freezing to death. Exactly, exactly. Right. So and, and the important thing you need to realize is that in 2019, when when all this money was invested, and these were this was this is a private company by the way. This is not publicly traded. Um, we don't know exactly who's invested. Some of it's. Some of it's available. Some people made announcements about their investments. Others didn't. Um, but at the time where, when this money was raised, gas prices were relatively low. And this there wasn't a huge market for LNG uh, because, because of all the cryogenic infrastructure that has to be utilized to move liquefied natural gas around the globe. It's overpriced compared to stuff that comes through a pipe. So if you've got a pipe going to a, a pumping station – and out into out to customers direct with gas pipelines like they have in Europe via from Russia, you can't LNG can't compete in most cases uh, because they're they're not having to spend any of the energy and build any of the infrastructure that LNG requires. So, so the, what you're so saying only, is so the only way America invested a great deal of money into building this huge infrastructure that exports natural gas in liquefied form, but it would not be profitable if perhaps there was a pipeline pumping a resource of natural gas into the continent of Europe, their primary buyer for this gas. Yes. It would not be profitable if that existed. And isn't it coincidental that as soon as they finished building it, yes. the pipeline that was their main competitor shuts down. Right. Right. So suddenly isn't that just astronomically so, coincidental. So suddenly, as soon as as soon as Calcasieu comes online, the into fighting breaks out in Ukraine, the gas the gas shipments stop. And so, but here's the kicker. Both US and Russia are still supplying natural gas to Europe. Russia is still supplying natural gas to Europe, but now it's going to China. It's being liquefied in China and sent on ships to Europe. So now Europe is buying the same Russian natural gas for like eight times the price, ten times the mm -hmm. price. 
And so both Russian energy interests and American energy interests are making tremendous money in Europe right now. And Europe's freaking out. They're going to they're gonna freeze because most people can't afford energy at this cost. Because a lot of European electricity is comes from uh, natural gas-powered plants. Um, France is mainly is like 70% nuclear. But other than that, a lot of nat gas and coal plants. And then they tried, you know, green energy. Of course, that doesn't work. The U.S. is mostly coal and and nuclear uh, and some hydro. Um, mm-hmm. But Europe is really in a tight spot right now, and it was set up for this. And the all the 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 wealth of the normal people of Europe is about to be pissed away trying bled to say dry. They're going to be bled the bills dry. Bills that they've been posting about yes. the electricity bills—it's crazy. Yeah, th- thousands of dollars a month just to power. Like just to have light the lights on in in a pub or something like that. I mean, thousands it's, of it's, dollars. Yeah, it's unten it's untenable. It's untenable, and it's not. And and so U.S. companies are making money on investments that were unprofitable at the time and would have been unprofitable had not the war broken Forever. out. Yes, right. Had not the war broken out, there would be no market for all this LNG because it takes a right. lot of energy to to make LNG. And the interesting thing is now. If if the pipeline infrastructure is is going away from uh, for a lot of the world, uh, or at least from from the BRICS nations between BRICS nations and and NATO nations, if if that pipeline infrastructure is not um, not active anymore, then the people that control the LNG uh, infrastructure get to make money on the gas LNG arbitrage arbitrage between the the two blocks. So there is mm-hmm. so much money being it, astounding amounts of money being made. I mean, when you go back and look at COVID, and and look at how f- companies like Pfizer came in and just got b- buried in money to make these mm-hmm. vaccines that they had no liability for, they showed up right on time, and the govern the governments of the world just dumped money on them, no strings attached, mm-hmm. and it, what a huge windfall that was. They're taking like that was it was profit taking season for Pfizer. Now it's profit taking season for the LNG companies. They are the new, they're the new biotech companies. They are the new the the oil companies of the '90s during the Gulf War and all that stuff. Um, Which, dur- by the way, if you look into it, was set up in the same way. Yes, this is nothing new. This is this nothing lo- new. So this this was planned. And another another reason you can you know that it's planned is that in twenty uh in in twenty twenty one. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, natural gas uh, LNG export capacity stayed maxed out the entire year. It didn't take its normal dip down to about 40% utilization that it does seasonally in the summer. It stayed maxed out all year. We were we were shipping every drop of LNG we could produce. This is before the Ukraine crisis started, okay? People knew, people knew the sort of people that are involved in energy trading knew what was coming and they got ready for it and they made a lot of money selling mm-hmm. LNG after the price, you know, went up by a factor of 8 or 10. Yeah. So if and all this is public knowledge, you can go out and look at the I'll link a bunch of stuff in the show notes. It's easy to put this together, but when you want to know if if you want the case made that there are interests in in east and west working together here this is where you see it this is the perfect example of where you see it it's totally coordinated it's totally coordinated yeah and so 
are we are we saying that the Ukraine war was brought about by interests larger than any government? Yes. On the same time, though, at the same time, there is genuine animosity between Russia and, and the EU. Yes. And they are actually in conflict and actually fighting. But, but they have been set up to fight. It's a bit like you have two people that don't really like each other too much. And then someone comes along and is like, hey, do you hear what he said? Yeah. Hey, and then he goes, the other one, do you hear what he said? And they just sort of poke at you until you do some sort of conflict. And then and they then sell they tickets. Take, they sell tickets to the fight. <laughs> they sell tickets to the fight. Exactly. Yeah. And that is how. Uh, now, wh- what are these? Th- what are these entities involved? If I told you, you wouldn't believe me, and so that's okay. Just know that they are um, higher than you. You don't vote for these people. Yeah, and and frankly, it's questionable they're even people. But uh, just, I know that sounds crazy, but think about it. We have this brand new technology. Liquefied natural gas. Hooray. It takes a tremendous amount of effort to do. Like he was saying, like Smokestack was saying, one plant has five power plants at it. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Things that would power a city. It has five of them just to make this stuff. And it and and it's and we're one of the only places in the world that can do it. Yeah. There it, there's and, there's a there's maybe five there's maybe five centers of production globally that can do this. And and right. mo- most of it's in in the US. We we Almost we pioneered this, yeah. And and our main competitor to our main buyer, which is Europe, because they don't have any other. They're not all almost all natural gas, uh, is a big pipeline from Russia. Yeah. And then we have a thing that just happens. The main effect is it has it shuts that off. There was no way this could have ever made any money, despite unless unless that pipeline got shut off. Yeah. So Isn't that interesting? They're on purpose making energy more expensive for everybody in the world. Because this is going to affect our energy prices too. Because all this, we're, what we're doing is we're taking energy demand from Europe and placing it in the U.S. energy economy. So what was a right. domestic market is now a global market. That's the big mm-hmm. change here. U.S. energy is not a domestic market anymore. Or it's rapidly transferring into a global market via LNG. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. really powerful technology as far as taking energy and moving it around the world. I mean, you can't you can't send high voltage cables across the ocean. It doesn't work. But right. this this allows us to participate in global energy economy in a way that we couldn't before. And it, it also it only works EU, if the if price EU is, is much cut higher. off from the east. Yeah. Then no matter how badly we treat Europe, they must stay with us. It's like they're we've just. Put a vice right. on all of our vassal states a little harder. Right, because because yeah. Russia, the East was horning in on our vassal states' economic power via yep. via piped in natural gas. The East was was drinking our milkshake, and so we just yeah. we just cut the straw. And then there are some parties in the East that said, "Okay, we can play that game too. We'll liquefy our gas too." Yeah, and EU gets and EU has yet to wake up to the fact that they have they're run completely by women because that's what we want because we are there are satraps after we conquered the, <laughs> after they were conquered in World War Two yeah and now in NATO it's just like well we we get to dictate who you have and you don't get to have anybody that's like gonna put up a fight against what we want mm-hmm. in your leadership mm-hmm. and so you know the U S is just you know and here's why 
that happened. I want to explain this a little more because uh, I wanted to, you know, have you, did you see the Joe Biden in the red, red Joe Biden? Oh, yeah, that was so stupid. Darth Joe Biden. It was so stupid. <laughs> Darth. Uh, but why, why is that happen? And why are people that, that I really, I really felt it when I saw this image of him, like shaking his face. It's like, is, is this, he's this, he's a sclerotic old man yeah. who doesn't have a brain mm-hmm. who's being portrayed as like, it's comical. It's ridiculous. Um, but what's behind that and why everyone cheers for that and why they will cheer for their own destruction and, and, and uh, is because when you are not, because there's only, you can follow God's law or you follow Caesar's law. Yeah. One of the two. And if you're not under one, you're under the other. And so here's how it works out psychologically is you are doing lots of sin and then you're sad because that's what that is. That's what happens. And you, because you're not experiencing love, you're just, and you're always in a state of fear because you have no faith in in anything higher than yourself. And then, but instead, and you can do two options then you can, you can like repent and take responsibility and be like, okay, I need to, you know, and I'm going to do the right thing. Or you can look around at the world and go, you're the reason I'm sad. It's your fault. And that's what all of this is driven by. When people, like, they get so angry about, like, trans people or anyone that doesn't think the same thing about race or whatever. They look around. Like, let's take the um, the black community, for example. Black people do not have to live like that. There's no reason they do. Like, there's no, like, that's not intrinsic to their personhood as black people. But uh, they. What, what they do you mean, like, like that? Are you talking about, like, Chicago? Like, in, in less, in more poverty yeah, in general, yeah. in more okay. violence in general. Like, that, there are huge swaths of Africa where the people get along just fine. Yeah. And they're happy and they're having a good time. And like Jamaica is like that, right? Like, and I mean, not in the same way. It's not real rich, but people are sort of chill. And there's no reason for that to be, except that they took a lot of deals with the devil. And it's not because they're black. It's just what happened. And so... Yeah. What what was the civil rights movement about, really? What, right. Yeah. Was about making this, making it this way. Making it this way. And so... When they're and so as it they get this they're in this deal with Babylon, and then they're still not happy and their lives aren't going well and so they look around at at other people and the, the Babylon gives them an easy scapegoat it's like it's white people and they go, you're the reason I'm sad roar or and so you see the same thing this is why they cheer on like the dark this is how the tyrants happen is because they go people are like. Uh, they're full of divorce and they're full of like single parent homes and they're full of uh, deviant sexualities and they're full of greed and like gambling on the stock market and they're full of violence and wrath and gluttony and not taking it. They never pray and they don't. And then the, and then they're sad and they're, they're depressed and they're on antidepressants. And like you could be like, well, I'm going to turn my life and try to do live the right way or you could be like if only if only there weren't mega people who didn't who weren't a hundred percent who were not a hundred percent on board with trans rights then everything would be fine 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, and this that's is what they tell them the same. And then, and then they get up there like, show them, show them, and then they like they love the theatrics. It never works. It never goes anywhere. They just end up hurting themselves. Yeah, I mean, ur- urban urban white bug bug people working for a corporation and and drinking their soy and marching in pride parades and all that stuff. That that it's the same. It's the same thing. Same same deal. Same deal. The black people. That's yeah, why they're same, all on the same, same team. Uh, Native Americans on reservations. You know, same same deal. Like every group has. Yeah, has, you don't has have taken to live on a reservation. Yeah. yeah, like that's the thing. Like people are like the reservation's awful. Like well, then move. Yeah, or, right. Like, yeah, you, don't, you can you, you can leave just because you're. But they take this thing like. It's this deal, like oh, but you give you the free things and this and that, and yeah. Uh, you know, and I I approve of their having tribal identity and 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 being a people group. That's great, but like, I think you have to cut ties with the deals you've made with the devil, and it and and some of them do. There's a lot of Native Americans that don't live like that at all. There's a lot of black people that are doing fine. They're thriving. There's a and the, and there's a lot of white people in cities that aren't like you know. Yeah, a, yeah. A it's not it's not nonsense. everybody, but it's like large shares. And it's funny because it's yeah. like that each group has its own like stereotype aggrieved set. And yeah. and that's the people that have made the deal with the devil and that are miserable because of it and are constantly like blaming other people for their problems and engaging all constantly this. Constantly looking for a scapegoat. Okay, and, 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 and like it's your fault. And trusting right. in politics, like because when you're aggrieved, politics comes along and and says, "Hey, I can fix your grievance. Vote for me." And so, mm-hmm. and all of this is is harnessing political power. You know that that's right. why these deals were made. It's it it it's the people making the deals are are getting political power from it. And, and just like we talked about on the show about farming, like people farming, that is what Europe has done for decades. They have they have engaged in every manner of sin and deviance that you could imagine, and have for that reason, signed up to just be milked like cows. Yeah. It is a voluntary thing, and that's why they have the ability to do that. And it doesn't seem voluntary because... But it, it seems involuntary just like the terms and conditions on a app you download don't... Because you just click, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But in there, it's like, we're spying on you, we're going to sell this, and you're like, yeah, okay. And if you actually think about what you're doing when you give up all of your nation's sovereignty and like, yeah, we'll be EU. Hooray. It's like, well, then you don't get to make decisions about what happens. And then who runs the EU? Really America, American politics. It's like, well, so then you just get, you know, you just, it's like, well, but see, they, 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 it's sold to them. It's like, well, it's, you're virtuous. You are virtuous. If you, if you do this and then see, you give a false virtue and then that makes it feel okay for all your sin. Like, you don't have to worry about all of the things it says that used to be sins, like, you know, lust and gluttony and rather than just racism and xenophobia. Just don't do that. And then you can do all the other ones and you still feel good about it. But this doesn't work because your soul actually still dies when you're doing the other stuff. And you're like, but I'm OK because I don't do the fake sins. And it doesn't work that way. And so that's what happens. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Europe. It's OK, though. It's it's going to be fine eventually. Things will turn around. It may take hundreds of years, but whatever. It's okay. Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> I'm just, just ref- I'm just reflecting. Yeah, it is sad. 
It makes me feel sad. Like I'm sorry. I feel sorry for Europe because they're gonna have a really terrible time this winter. They're, they're some of them are gonna. They're just gonna not have. There's. I mean, I don't think they're gonna freeze to death. They have houses. They can go in and you can light a fire and you can wrap up in blankets. But they are going to be milked. Yeah. Tremendously for energy, just turning the lights on, and then we'll be get. They'll get more poor, and more poor, and more poor, and that's that's what has to happen until they decide to stop being like that and start being better. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's just, and and they will one day. That's the thing. They will. But right now Europe is a museum of dead things with dead people in it. It's just sort of like a living Epcot. Mm. You go there and it's like, we are French and we have an Eiffel Tower. And that's it. That's all that's really French about it. Is there someone wearing a beret? And that's even fake, you know. And so they they gave up all of their culture and their identity. Really, when you stop and break it down, just so they could engage in various sins more. Yeah, and that's sad. But the good news is, all you have to do is stop doing that, and things will begin to turn around. Not overnight, but they will begin to turn around. Um. And so, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Let's talk about Temple OS. All right. Temple OS. So, um, I brought up at the top of the show, I'm going to say some words, and you tell me the ones that you've heard about and the ones that you haven't. Okay. Um, Urum and Thummim. Okay. I've heard about those in the Bible. Okay. Uh, Orthonomancy. Not heard of that. That's divination by birds. Okay. Uh, Geomancy. Uh, divination by earth. Yes, by various things. You might throw the dirt up in the air and watch how it falls. You might like throw rocks. You might do well a number of things. Uh, the apostles casting lots for Ju- to replace Judas. Yes, and casting lots to see who was the problem of the of the storm in the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. And so the point in all that is that throughout the world, all times and places, uh, every culture. People have had this idea, and I wanted to discuss in regard to Temple OS, Terry Davis's construction, uh, whether or not this idea is valid. And the idea was that somehow God is operating in randomness, or that randomness isn't actually random. And so, like, here's a, here, the question is, like, is it true that every time dice is thrown upon a table, the outcome is determined by God? And the first question. And the second question is, if so, is it then valid to apply questions to those dice and use them as some form of divination from the divine? And then third, if that's also true, then how would you go about doing that? Because, like, if you are, there's no tradition you can come from, no religious tradition on earth, Christianity included, where lot casting and, like, basically gambling for an answer with God is treated as silly. Everyone does it. Um, you know, I mean, th- I think about like uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from God, from Yahweh. It's every decision. Like, that's a pretty intense statement. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from Yahweh. That's like... And then, uh, you know, the Greeks... Famously, we use this all the time. Are you familiar with Greek divination? 
they did everything. They did everything. So they would do, um, they would do, you would, you would be on the battlefield and you would be coming with your, you, you go to battle with a whole herd of sheep and goats, sometimes cattle. And that was great because it was food that would walk itself. That's handy. You don't have to like put it in a truck. It just walks along with you. That's great. And so uh, you'd have all this, but you would use some of them for sacrificing to the gods. And so they'd be up there and say, Leonidas is up on the mountain. And he's like, should we go attack now? Apollo, tell me the answer. And the priest of Apollo standing next to him would kill a goat and he'd watch how it wiggles. And he'd go, oh, not right now. They go, okay. They'd wait a couple hours. How about now? And they kill another goat. No. No. And they kill another goat. And they oh, now is good. Now is good. And the weird thing about that was, is you never read about them questioning it after they got a yes. <laughs> that, that would be awkward. They just kept sacrificing until they got the answer they wanted. And they was like, okay, good. Like, like, but I guess because the gods could change their mind about no, but could they not change their minds about yes? You know? And they would look at their entrails of these animals and somehow, like, depending on, I guess, how bloated they were or whatever they'd say, like, yes or no, they would, um, they would scatter birds, like the birds on the ground. You'd throw something at a flock of birds and see how they flew. Uh, you would look at the spirals of smoke coming up off a campfire and then that would tell you somehow if you were, uh, if you had the eyes to see about, uh, divination. And that's why I read that thing at the beginning of the, um, of show, uh, is that, uh, you know, in, in, um, in Aristophanes birds, his play birds, they said, we are your oracles. He had, he had a chorus. He had the Greek chorus in that play is dressed up as birds. They wear a bird mask and they say, we are your oracles. You're Ammon, Delphi, Donata, Apollo. You do not start anything without first consulting the birds and yada, yada, yada. And they go, so clearly we are your gods of prophecy. You know I mean? That, and so, uh, now, Aristophanes is sort of making fun of that, you know, because even in the Greek times, they were like, I don't know, are we effectively just making birds into our gods here? Is this valid? What are we doing? And I think every culture had this form of divination, but also had, weren't quite sure how it worked to the point where sometimes they thought it didn't work. But other times they were really quite sure that this is something that you would use to figure out what God wants. Like in, in fact, in the, in the, in the Bible, it's explicitly said that this Urim and Thummim thing is like a two plate system. And you would like cast them somehow is unclear. And they would result in a yes, no answer. So you could be like, is it, who's at fault? Why are we suffering this plague? Is it, is it, which tribe is it? Is it Reuben or Levi? And they go, yes or no. And they, or is it the tribe of Reuben or the rest of us? And they go, yes or no. It's not okay. Reuben's clear. And they go on to Levi and they get down to like, you know, like in the in the passage I read at the beginning, it would get down to like the king and his son and the people. Like, is it the king and the son that have sinned or the people? And they'd cast them and they'd be like, oh, it's the king and the son. Is it the son or the king? And they'd cast them. Oh, it's Jonathan, the son. What'd you do? And he's like, yeah. But the interesting thing in that story is that it falls on the correct person who actually did the wrong thing that is currently bringing on the curses. Right. Yeah. So that's. Uh, like, like Solomon said, you know, Solomon is like, listen, the, who would it be the, he'd be the third King after Saul. He was like two, he was like two down from that current King was 
the the dice fall on the lap, but it's every it's every the way it lands is always from God. And so that's an intense thing. And the Greeks thought so. And like I said, everyone sort of because it's not clear how this could work or like why or like even if it does work. OK, like say you're a strict Calvinist and like every moat of speck in the universe is directly controlled by God at all the times. So, of course, the dice would be. But then like, OK, but then how that doesn't it doesn't follow from that that I can just ask questions of the dice and say, like, if it lands on a six, that means yes. And if it lands on anything else, that means no. Right. You're I, sort of you're, you're imposing upon God a that he should communicate to you that way. Right. Yeah. And so how do you know that he will, you know? And so the Greeks also question this. Um, are you, there's the famously, the, the story of Herodotus tells of a Greek king of Lydia named uh, Coroius. I don't, I probably didn't say that right, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Listen, you ancient Greek scholars don't at me. Coroius, uh, he was the, so he was the king of Lydia and this first Persian empire had just been founded by King Cyrus and it was looking an awful lot like the Persians were going to come over and take Greece. Are you familiar with this story? No. Okay, so um, he 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 wanted to know, like, well, should we attack? Should I wait? Should I put up a defense? What should be my plan of action here to deal with the Persian Empire? I don't want them to overtake me. So he does what all Greeks do in that at the time is he sent he sent to inquire of the oracles and the oracles were of course the most famous is the Oracle of Delphi for this reason um, that we're about to learn. Uh, but there were tons of oracles around ancient Greece. I mean, they were like every hill and dale had an oracle. And so uh, they would inquire of the oracles, like ask, tell us what the gods want. And then you would, and you, they give you a no, or like you should, you should wait, or you should try to make peace, or you should try to broker a deal or whatever, but he was like, you know, I don't, uh, I don't. Know. These oracles, I don't know. I get the, I get the feeling they're just pulling the wool over our eyes and taking our money. So before he acts, he does, he basically does a scientific experiment, and he sends out messengers to inquire of all the oracles within a reasonable distance, and he says, okay, here's messengers. 100 days from right now, everyone synchronize your Bronze Age clocks. 100, 100 days from right now, you are to inquire of the oracles what I am doing. You're gonna, I'm going to give you time to get to them. You're going to wait for 100 days from right now. And you're going to ask, what is the King of Lydia doing right now? You're going to write it on a piece of paper. You're going to come back to me. We're going to see who got it right. So 100 days later, uh, Caricius, he goes to the, he purposely does something pretty random to make it near impossible to have guessed. He goes to the beach and he uh, gets a big brass cauldron with a brass lid and he makes soup out of tortoise and lamb. Huh. On the beach. So, some months later, the messengers have returned and he opens their their letters and he's going through them and he's like, no, that's not what I was doing. No, no, incorrect, wrong, wrong, absolutely not, wrong, no, wrong, wrong. But, but he gets to the Oracle of Delphi, and this is specifically the reason why the Oracle of Delphi is the one we all know about today. Because in the paper, uh, the Oracle, the, the letter, the Oracle of Delphi said the following, and it, it sort of rhymed in Greek, but in ancient Greek, but it doesn't rhyme in English, obviously, but. I can count the sands and I can measure the ocean. 
I have ears for the silent, and know what the dumb man means. Lo, on my sense there striketh the smell of shell-covered tortoise, boiling now on a fire with the flesh of a lamb in a cauldron. Brass is the vessel below, and bla- brass the cover above it. Boom! 100% accuracy. Wow. So, now, I mean, you could say, you could come up with, re- like, and people have tried to, like, dismiss this as, like, well, maybe one of the queen, one of the king's like helpers who was with him was like from Delphi, and he really wanted Delphi to look good. Maybe his sister was like in with the oracle, so he like sent a message to the people on their way back and said, "This is what the king did. Slip that in the, you know, could be, mm-hmm. could be." Uh, but the oracle of Delphi got it right, and so not- but not- notably, there was the oracle of uh, Amphiaraus. also got the answer right, but he didn't read that piece of paper first, so he went mostly with the oracle of Delphi. Uh, but he also acknowledged the other oracle that got it right. And he, the king prepared all these gifts of gold and statues and giant big lovely bowls and food and, and stuff and olive oil. And he sends it to the oracle of Delphi and he sends a little bit less to the other oracle with a question. And he says, I've tested all the oracles. You're the one that got it right. Should I declare war on per- Persia or not? Should I seek peace? Should I try to broker a deal? Or if I should seek war... Should I seek out an ally to help me first? And the oracle responded this way. If you attack the Persians, you will destroy a mighty empire. You should seek the most powerful Greeks as allies. And you will rule until such time as a mule is king of Medea. And pleased with the answer, Croesus went to war with the Spartans as his allies. But he was defeated and taken, taken captive. And later, he was allowed to send a letter out from his captivity. And he sent one to Delphi asking why she had deceived him. And the oracle responded... A mighty empire was indeed destroyed, your own. And Cyrus is the mule. For he for mule he is, a crossbreed. He is his mother is Median and his father a Persian. So <laughs> So that's why you have to be careful with divination because divination, I think see this is the thing, and this is also in the Bible. It's like there is divination. It is a way to talk to God. Also, though, other spirits may talk to you through it, and they may be tricky ones that trying to fool you. Like he did, because the like the oracle said, "I didn't tell a lie. You just I didn't say which empire would fall. You assumed that much, and that's a very sort of sneaky, genie, satanic thing to do." Yeah. Um. So be careful with such things. But the point in all that is that divination has a long and checkered history in humanity. But and and somehow for some reason we've all. Routinely come back to this conclusion, maybe subconsciously we understand it, but we don't consciously like that, that random occurrences in random occurrences or apparently random occurrences can be read the will of God or the gods. And, but at the same time, everyone's like waffled back and forth and like, is this real or are we just fooling ourselves? And this, um, this is actually what Terry Davis did. Um, he was like, this is a valid thing. Uh, and he built Temple OS to, as, the main focus of Temple OS is as a digital, digital lot caster that facilitates one's communication with God for specific answers to specific questions. And so it's pretty. It's it's sort of an interesting. It's sort of an interesting thing, especially. And I think Terry Davis himself is maybe the more interesting than his operating system. As interesting as that is, so he was. Um, like I said, he was 
crazy in the head. He was he really toward the end of his life it it went it was a gradual process and as life went on he got a little more insane all the time. Uh, but he was also a computer genius that did things with a computer that most people could never even think about doing. Uh, he was born in 69 in Wisconsin, and he died, as I said, in 2018 at the age of 48 in Oregon, run over by a train. He had he was uh, diagnosed schizophrenic, diagnosed bipolar, a few other things, given all kinds of meds, but he wouldn't take them because he said they hamper his ability to hear the voice of God in his head. Uh, he was extremely religious. He grew up Catholic, but then was sort of like, uh, at the end of his life, could you say he was something that was, he was some sort of religious person that used the Bible, but seemed overly focused on just the Old Testament and particularly overly focused on just the Torah mm-hmm. and and mostly the story of Moses. So I'm not sure how much Jesus is involved in what he was... Maybe, but he, but anyway, um, he was such a genius. As I said, he built it. He built an operating system from scratch, which I mean, like not quite, but almost like from assembly code, like ones and zeros. Uh, just sort of like Linus Trivell did with with Linux, except uh, he built one and then was like, but from scratch with his own software that he ran and all this, and then also made it into this weird. Um, God game. And he did this, again, because in his words, God told him to do that. And he called it Temple OS because uh, it was, in his mind, the fulfillment of the prophecy that the temple of Judaism would be rebuilt. So there was one temple, and that got destroyed a long time ago. Then there was a second temple, and that got destroyed in 70 AD. 70 AD. And the Jews have been unable to build a third temple since then because the Muslims have occupied that piece of property uh, as they do even today, they have that mosque on the hill where they want to build the temple. So Terry believed that God had told him, actually, you build the temple, and the temple is actually a computer operating system, by the way, this time. Last couple of times it was this building. This time it's a computer operating system, and that is suitable for the digital age. That's exactly what you need. That way everyone could access it. And God said to Terry, according to Terry, it must explicitly be in 640 by 480 resolution, have 16 color display, and single voice audio, among other parameters, which are set. You cannot make it overly fancy. You cannot. It should be able to run on everything. Um, and what I find interesting is this is a thing I don't think, and I don't think anyone has watched everything Terry Davis every live streamed. One, because a lot of it is no longer available. He was, after he was kicked off YouTube for uh, unhinged rants a few times, because he believed that by shouting slurs and profanity, somehow this kept the CIA at bay <laughs> when they were stalking him. Because he also suffered from the, the thing that he was being gang stalked. Yeah. Which is, if you don't know, is you think that everything is like after you, like you turn on the radio and you think they're talking to you somehow. Uh, but for some reason, he had it cooked up in his head that if he used various slurs and profanities and things that this kept the CIA, this prohibited somehow the CIA from doing what they wanted to do. And so he'd be live streaming about stuff on YouTube and just a string of profanity. And then back to what he was talking about, his computer thing. It's very strange, but he gets kicked off for this. So a lot of his live streaming was on early YouTube alternatives that no longer exist and on his own website, which has been taken down because a lot of it was just him masturbating sometimes. And 
So I don't think anyone has watched the whole thing. His several, 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 several thousands of hours of live streaming. But in the ones that I have watched, uh, he never brings up this point. I don't think he ever realized it. Is that David, his name is Terry Davis, right? And Davis is Welsh for David's son. And David's son is who, Solomon, is who built the second temple. Oh. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that strange? That is, yeah. Isn't that strange? And see, I tell you, the name, your names are not arbitrary, by the way. If you, like, people get named, this is actually proven. Like this is uh, the, this is uh, this is a mainstream enough thing that one time the Freakonomics guys wrote an article about it. There is a strikingly high correlation between someone's given name and the profession they end up in, even if they didn't ever realize the meaning of their name. And like people will have names that are in like Old Welsh or Irish that means healer, and they're like overwhelmingly in the medical field, or. It's weird, but your name, that's like, like the name, this idea of naming things, uh, the name that comes to you is in some way indicative of what you are, which is why people that run like BlackRock are named Larry Fink. <laughs> because that just, of course it has to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just like, who's gets to be Fink or General Petraeus, General Betrayus. Right. It's like, it's always right there. Um, and so, uh, so Terry Davidson, Davis, Terry Davis believed that God had told him to build the third temple and it was, and he, he built it, as I said, in a coding language, which is a, his own homebrewed version of this, the programming language C, which he called Holy C. <laughs> nice. uh, it's whole, it was the Holy C. Get yeah, it? Yeah. 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 Uh, and it had a compiler. He made his own compiler, his own kernel flight simulator, which is the game. Um, and as I said earlier, the music has been described of his games that he also wrote himself as, uh, in various people have said it was quote, someone grinding a, grinding a cheese grater against your soul (laughs) to hear the music. Um, he had, uh, he had a first person shooter. There's a tank battle game, a race car game. There's, uh, uh, um, Software to control your finances, music creation software. Uh, there's there's a game that's essentially it's essentially the exact same as Flappy Bird on the iPhone. It's the exact same premise, mm-hmm. and you do the same thing about it. It doesn't look as pretty, but it's what it is. If he'd have come up with that and put it on the iPhone, he'd have been a bazillionaire. Uh, but he but he had it on this weird thing that no one could figure out how to download. And all of this fits on uh, a single floppy disk. It's 1.4 megabytes total. Wow. It is, it's a remarkable accomplishment of programming. That's the, And that's the paradox of Terry, is that he's clearly, one, battling demons, two, if he, he might be hearing from God, I don't know, or, or something, some, some sort of disembodied thing, uh, but, but he's clearly losing his grip on reality. He thinks he's married to a YouTube physics girl, who he is not. And he keeps waiting on her to show up, and he keeps coming up with excuses for why she hasn't moved in yet, even though at the time he is homeless and doesn't have a home, but he keeps talking about it. it's He's clearly losing his grip on reality, but at the same time, he is he's a savant with computers. I mean, he's just doing it. There is no line of code in the entire Temple OS 
ecosystem, its operating system, its games, its software, any of it, its music creation, any of it that he did not hand code himself. It's 3D rendering software, which exists. It's ability, it's like graphics library. All of it he did. Um, which is something that is beyond the intellectual capacity of probably 99.8% of humanity. And so he's, he's clearly, he's got something wrong with him, uh, deeply wrong with him, but also he has a gift. He could also, he could also, uh, drum with his fingers, you know, like, like, uh, using his finger drums Uh to heavy metal music with remarkable proficiency. Which he would, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he would listen to heavy metal music on his streams while he was coding. And then sometimes his fingers would go, and like, like, wow, that was really impressive. Um, and again, I need to reiterate to all of you how this disorganized Temple OS appears on the screen. It is, it is exactly like you would imagine a schizophrenic's homepage to be. Uh, there's like, Five, four or five tickers of scrolling text telling you things that are happening in the background. Uh, there's, it's all like bright blue with white on it. Nothing is really highlighted. You just move your mouse around. You don't really know what you're highlighting. It's it's in like three columns of menus, but like those themselves are broken up into submenus. Things are spinning. Icons are spinning. Some are larger than others. For, like he appeared to make them larger. Maybe if he thought they were more important. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's weird and very, um, intimidating when you first turn it on and look at it. My favorite is the left column, which opens with and it. So he's got all this like technical stuff over here and the left column is divided into all the software and it's divided into three categories. It's got fun games, then under that, not fun games and under that, not games. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he divided his software up. And he mentions at one point that he wanted Temple OS to be a thing that kids could use to write their own games. Why he felt it was necessary for this to happen in the God's Third Temple is unclear. Again, like, it has a lot of not direction to it. But at the same time, it's very, like, so the, the Temple OS logo is a, is a scale, a balance, and then a, a sword. And then, like, some birds. And, um... When you start it up, like the, there's another window that pops up in front of all that that I just talked about, and it gives you uh, four options, right? It's very God-centered. So, I got like, so it comes up, and, and before you do anything else, before you close out this window, you can press F7, and you get a word from God. I put God in quotes here, but that's what he called it. It generates a pseudo-random word from God. Like, it will, it will, it will, just like, what does God say? And it uses basically the digital equivalent of tossing dice to give you like, here's a result. And this result will be any sort of random word and you interpret it as you will. Shift F7 gives you a random passage from the Bible, which cuts off. It's not any, it's not by verse. It's just like, it's just like it starts at a random letter could be in the middle of a word and then cuts off at a random letter could be in the middle of another word. Oh, so weird. it'll be like, you see like half of believe, believe, and then it goes, and then it'll just cut out with A, and it's like, is that the letter A, like the word A, or is that the beginning of a new word that starts with A? I don't know. But 
That's what God, quote-unquote, wanted you to see, and that's the answer to your question. F6 produces a hymn or a song, again, produced by God, which is a, it's a randomly produced song that doesn't sound too bad. That's actually the song I played at the beginning of this show. When, when you heard that little bump, 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 that was a random, that was a randomly produced hymn by Temple OS. Sounds a bit like old Nintendo music. Yeah, yeah. Because it says the same, it's like, you know, it's 16-bit, whatever. And some of it has some wonky things in there, but it's, he, he, like I said, he did a pretty good job figuring out, like, the parameters under which a random generator could produce something that was rhythmic and not awful. Um... Because it doesn't come across as just like, but it has like a rhythm to it that he made up that he was able to code into there. Uh, and Shift F6 produces a random doodle of religious art, again created by God. So you press this, you open it, and you press the space bar repeatedly. And every time you do, God, quote unquote, draws a piece of your artwork more at random, which again can be used. Like, it'll be like shapes come up and the lines and it gets colored in and it gets blur. And again, this can somehow be used to interpret God's will. So he's got, at the beginning, four options to participate in various forms of traditional divination in a digital format. Because casting lots to get a word. Oh, one of the oldest ones in the book. Uh, opening, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Protestants will, in, in rural places in America will still practice this. Like, God, give me an answer. And they open the Bible to a random page and, and stick their finger down. And that's the passage. That's the answer. That's a, that's a well-practiced thing that's done in a lot of rural America. And that's basically what Shift F7 does, a random Bible passage. Uh, hearing, hearing God's voice through hymns that are produced. That's another one. Like people, And like seeing God in like very, basically pareidolia. Like seeing, seeing images in, uh, in chaos. Seeing the face of Mary in a toast, in the burns on a toast, or Jesus in the in the window, or something like. Uh, those are all ways that people have interpreted God's will, and so I guess is any of this valid? Is can this actually be a way that you could talk? Is this like why, why is why is the apostles casting lots for to choose? The replacement for Judas, or the people on the boat casting lots to know who to throw over the boat with Jonah, any less valid than what Terry has created, uh, and maybe his is more. It may be. I uh, just taking the taking the side of Terry for a minute, because um, you know I said he's got his games, his fun games, his not fun games, and then his non games. And the most important game is called. It's the one that takes definitely the one that takes up the most space on the computer is a game called After Egypt. And it is it is the game that is designed to be like the big oracle game. Like it's designed to be, he says this explicitly, like this is the this is the oracle of Delphi except with the the Jewish god and on a computer. Which is an interesting selling point. Um but it's about the Moses and the the Israelites after they've left Egypt before getting the promised land. And that's the game you're playing. And I say play in a very loose sense because there's not much to win or lose here. It just sort of happens. So you open up this game and it, and it gives you this scene where there's this crowd of people in their tents sort of walking through the wilderness, like just like a tent, like an A-frame tent, just sort of sliding across the desert. <laughs> and then like little stick people walking beside it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just, shh, okay. And all of this looks, it's the graphics level of like MS Paint. Sure. Okay. So, um, 
And so it comes up and you have some options. You can break camp. And when you break camp, uh, it replays that I image that it opens where the people like pick up their tents and move. Except the tents don't get picked up. They just slide across the desert. So, <clears throat> whatever. Uh, you can view the clouds because God went before the Israelites in a pillar of clouds. So you can click on it and view the clouds and see the shape of the pillar of clouds. That's all that happens. It's like it has this cloud, this cloud animation that plays, and then you can click out of it. Is it is it the uh, same? Hold, is it the same cloud every time? Or are no? Is it's this... a randomly generated cloud. Okay. Pattern. Okay. Probably for the same purpose, although he never said that. You can hold court, which is great. That's my favorite. Um, it comes up where I guess you're Moses and you're judging the people when they have problems, and so it'll be like. A woman has committed committed adultery, and you can say you have three options. You can say be merciful, punish, or extreme punish. <laughs> and and so you click, and he'll like play it like, oh, I don't like that one. I'll extreme punish, and they're like, she's dead. And then it, and then will come up with another one like a kid has done idolatry, and go extreme punish. And then, and then when it's stolen, thing, he and then you know his his personal extreme punish, punish, and merciful seemed very random in his own head. Yeah. Like it wasn't like the worst. He was just like, eh. Um, you can also view the map, and the map is just a man walking around the desert in a, in a haphazard pattern because they were just wandering the wilderness for no reason. Uh, that's the map. You can make water, which involves Moses standing beside a rock, and you mash the space bar to make him strike the rock over and over again until it says, You've made water, and then that's it. <laughs> uh, you can battle, which has state figures sort of pushing against each other, going back and forth on the screen. And there's Moses, and he has to hold his hands up, like in the Bible story, for you to win. And so you have to wrap, you have to hit the space bar right, really, really fast. And if you don't, Moses' arms will start to go down, and you'll start to lose. So you have to, like, ah, Moses' power! Space bar, space bar, space bar. And then it'll say, you win battle, or you lost battle. Uh, you can beg for meat. Uh, or you can read Moses' comics, which is a bunch of poorly drawn comics that are not that are that are funny to someone who is schizophrenic. <laughs> uh, that there's like hundreds of them that he just wrote over his life of like Moses, like in a in a quote unquote humorous scenario. Okay. Um, and then it just comes up like Moses, Moses, we don't have any uh, mana today, and he'll be like, and then the next panel, Moses will be like, idolater, <laughs> and then that's it. And, and then Terry would, like, laugh. Um, and the, But the most interesting one is you can choose talk with God. And if you cho choose talk with God, you get a first-person view. Like, you see the little MS Paint hands going up and down as they're walking. Uh, it's sort of like a cross between MS Paint and Old Flash, maybe. Mm -hmm. And you, so you see, a, you see him walking up this hill to go up to the mountain, and he sits before a burning bush, and he asks questions of God. And so... Uh, it opens with like, ask God your question. And so you type in like, mm, what should I do today? You know, or what do you think about this? Um, and then you click on, it uses the internal timer and some other weird stuff to have a random number generator. And you click okay. And, and over under the okay button is cryptically written quote, the Holy spirit can puppet you. Strange. Weird. And you click. Okay. And then it says, now listen, you have to sacrifice something. And this is, I actually, I listened to enough Terry that I learned why he did this. Because all of Terry's, Terry said at one point, he said, the purpose of life, he said this, he said, he gave a couple different answers for this one. But uh, he said, 
the purpose of life is to know God, to uh, be with God, and then to love God in that order. And so you have to begin by knowing God. And he said, how do you know God? Is that you talk to God and you communicate with God. And that's the first step to then being with God to then loving God. He also, at various times, said the purpose of life is to entertain Mr. God. And so uh, the people would ask him, because this OS doesn't pair with anything. It can't, there's no networking ability. You can't hook it up to another computer. You can't put it on the internet. It can't really even talk to another computer that running Temple OS. He didn't put any networking ability on there at all. And so it's a very limited utility. And people criticized him for this a lot. They said, you've made this stuff. We realize that you're capable of putting in networking and, and stuff like that to the thing. Why don't you? And he said, because it isn't to be used. It's for fun because I'm entertaining God. Huh. And okay. Because he thought that was the, he said, when people are doing what they are, what they have the most joy doing, they are entertaining God. And that is the purpose of their life. That's sort of his idea. And so he, he's doing this and his philosophy about prayer comes from the book of uh, Genesis with Cain and Abel and that Cain and Abel give a sacrifice. God tells them whether he enjoyed or did not like their sacrifice and then, then communicates with them. And he says, that's basically all you need. That's how it works. So you have to give a sacrifice to God. Then you say your prayer and then God gives you an answer. And he says, you get, he says repeatedly, you get out of prayer where you get, what you get into it, what you put into it. So if you don't sacrifice appropriately, then yes, you will get random, a random generated answer, but it won't be as valid as if you sacrificed appropriately. And so he will sacrifice things before when he's demonstrating how out of Egypt, Oracle function works. Um, he will give you, he will make some sort of sacrifice. He will say, uh, like, I'm going to give some money to the poor or whatever. Or sometimes it would be something as silly as, like, he'd say, he'd say huh, I got to sacrifice. I know, I'll do a sacrifice of praise, and I praise God today for hermit crabs. I like hermit crabs. Thank you, God, for hermit crabs. Now, here's my question. And then he would click the random generator, and then it would come up with... Either it would do, it would give you a random Bible passage or a random, random six words, which you are then uh, meant to interpret. And the interpretation, and it gives you a space at the bottom of the game at this point to write out your interpretation, to sort of work it out in your own head. Like, okay, I'm going to, it gives you like a little diary, basically. You can write down what you think this answer could mean. And it's a little, um, it's a little wonky if it's, that's valid. But one of my, one of, I tried to get a fellow on here who goes on the internet by the name of, his Twitter handle is Terry Davis taught us how to talk to God. Interesting. Um, and he does this routinely. And um, his questions are strange. Not the sort of questions I would particularly ask God, but. Whatever, I'm going to give you an example of this thing from because he, he's given me a lot of screenshots. I actually asked him to come and do this show, but he said he did not like how his own voice sounded and he felt like he did not want to do it. And I said, yeah. and I responded to him because I knew he used Temple OS. I said, well, and I knew he was a believer in this. I said, why don't you ask God using the Oracle function if he wants you to come on the show? And he said, okay, I will. And uh, he, he asked um, the question, 
God, should I go on? Oh, here, I have it right here, actually. And he sent me a message with a screenshot and says, here's what God had to say. Question. So he typed this in. God, do you think it'd be beneficial for me to go on Pope Dr. Yoshimatsumoto's, Matsumoto's, a.k.a. Frog Troubadour's podcast? Then the program says, God says, dot, dot, dot. And then red letters come up of these words. Shortly, pardon underscore pardon, or pardon underscore the underscore French, pardon the French, virtuoso, ventures, alcohol, Enoch, monument, odds, sweetly vain, should. Interpretation. So this is what this user of OS took. Is, he says, I took on the name Enoch when I started doing Davisanism, which is a religion that has spawned out of this thing. Davisanism, because they use there is a group of people oh, man. who live today and use this to speak with God. As weird as that may sound. And he's one of these people. And so he said, I took on the name Enoch when I started doing Davisanism. So maybe God thinks I'd be making a monument, because that was one of the words, or a spectacle. Of myself by acting like I know everything. Sweetly vain should equals I should do it if I want to be seen as vain. I think I'd rather be humble. And so, and then his offering that he logged was I praise God for praying mantises and the incredible variety of styles and colors they appear in before I inquired of him. And that was his way of telling me no. So, uh, I mean, uh, it sounds like he kind of read the answer he wanted. <laughs> It sounds like he kind of read the answer he wanted, but also, is that valid? Well... Do you... Because this is the thing about... This is the thing about tarot cards and other such forms of divination. Is tarot cards can work, and they can be helpful for people and other sorts of things like them, because subconsciously, you know what you want to say, or you know what you should say, and this, this, by giving you a third party... It absolves you of taking on the responsibility for it and allows you to put on, put the words in someone else's mouth, a deity or the cards or fate, the universe. And then you can be like, well, it said this. And really, that's what you wanted to say. But you, for whatever reason, couldn't. And so you can project out what's in your soul. And maybe what's in your soul is the right thing. Onto the, It gives you a canvas to paint your soul upon. And so maybe that's the correct use of such things. Like maybe we all we all already know what the right answer is to most moral questions we come to, or most, and we know, but we 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 have muddled things in our mind, and we don't want to admit things to ourselves, and maybe such things like this Temple OS or tarot cards or whatever uh, can be a method of drawing that out of ourselves. Yeah. Well, okay. Right? I mean, so. I'm not I'm not at all impressed with this Temple OS stuff because I think it yeah, yeah. Be, because I think it it's taking things from Christianity and spinning them off into this weird superstitious stuff that is that is clearly um har- harming people and is the product of people that have that are psychologically and and spiritually troubled like I, I think just looking at Terry Davis's life, it's pretty obvious that he was right. not well spiritually or or mentally. Um, I agree with you, but 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 my question is then, what is is there a correct way to do divination? I, because it's in 
the bi- it's in everywhere. Yes. Like, so what do I you think do about there that? I think there probably is, and if I had to take a stab at it, I would go back and look at the cases in the Bible and I'd say, okay, there there was you're not just you're not just throwing a random you're not trying to get a random uh response. You've made some choices and some um judgments to get to the point where you're inquiring of God. And it seems like in many of these cases where you you see that there's 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 a crisis. Um, there are good men differing on what should be done, and there's no clear way to solve it. And so, mm-hmm. in doing that, it appears that um, the parties involved are kind of making an ap- making an appeal to heaven, and they're saying, "Look, we're at this crossroads here. We 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 cannot resolve what to do, and so we're we're going to ask God to resolve it." by intervening in, in like forcing forcing a choice but the the choices that are on the table are the result of of uh probably uh seeking wise advice um prayer um study of scripture and like all the all the normal things that you would encourage somebody trying to make a good decision you know like like choosing who is going to replace Judas. You know, they weren't casting lots for like random people in the street to come and be an apostle. Like I I think um there were probably a few people nominated um that everybody thought would do well and they're like, "Well, how do we pick among them?" Well, let let's just appeal to heaven to settle this among these good choices that we can't decide. Or, you know, do do I invade uh, whatever, make some military venture. Um, there, there, there were already a series of judgments that that led to that. And then, if it, you know, if the leader finds themselves with an impossible choice, um, then you know, I guess it's trying to force yeah. it's trying to force God's hand, maybe. But but there does seem there does seem to be a place for it. Um. I agree with you. I think that I think that what you've what you've said is is probably the correct way to use it, or at least much more correct than what is going on in Temple OS. Um, and I think you know, and there's 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 a lot of psychological elements too. Like I said, there is this offloading of responsibility you can do that allows you. But you know, I heard I heard it most described as someone once told me. And I don't know if this was a meme that went around, or if this is something that you know that it gets confused in my head after you live on the internet too long, or if this is something that happened in person. Um, but, uh, they said dice casting lots can work for people because at the moment you throw the dice, you know what choice you really want to happen, which is probably true. Yeah. Cause like you may be deliberating in yourself. Like, I'm not sure which one, but when you throw the dice, you're like, come on five or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and you feel like that's what I actually wanted. And so that can be a way that can be like a way to cut all the emotions and like, but what is, what is the actual thing that you're after? Here? Right. It, it could be also, so think, it could also be a way to, um, excuse yourself from responsibility of making a wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which is, which is, that's, that's half the appeal of, of authority in general. Yeah, absolutely. To people. Yeah. Is to, I, you know, I look, I don't know. It's it not my fault. It's their fault. Well, I, I've, I've that's, had many yeah. people throughout my life make really bad, unwise choices and tell me, well, you know, I felt like that's what God was telling me to do. I felt a peace about it or whatever. You know, you use yeah. you use a lot of like religious <laughs> yeah. you use a lot yeah. of like religious lingo to 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 justify a choice Jesus a choice take that you're making. The wheel. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, take it from my hand. And it's and it's a lot of and it's you know usually it's it's uh-huh. Christians doing this and and I you know I could in some of these cases say well well clearly this is unwise and and here's here's my my biblical argument for why this is a bad choice. And they would just say, "Well, I just feel like God's leading me to do this." It's like you're 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 shoving. It's like no, God, <laughs> you have God's word to tell you what to do in this case. Uh, pretty clearly, right. he's not going to tell. He's not going to contradict himself. But you know, people people don't want to take responsibility for their for their actions. Um, you know, because when right. somebody wants something, they just want it. It's yes, and uh, I think I think you you got it exactly correct. Um. It is, it, yeah, but t- I, Terry's story does. It is very sad to me because I was I was thinking about, you know, you have to make a sacrifice. You have to. He's, he's constantly like making these sacrifices to to get God's favor, and that just tells me that he doesn't understand the gospel and doesn't understand what what Jesus did. Yeah, the, he seldom, he always talks about God frequently, but seldom Jesus comes up. And I think he yeah. may have gotten locked into that sort of where some people do where they're all Old Testament. Yeah. Um. But but um, yeah, to be to be uh, to be as sh- I guess the question is, should we, if nothing else, just for the laughter that will come of it and possibly the disaster, <laughs> sh- should we f- create this show and our listeners an order of people who are like a uh, Knights Templar, but we make all of our decisions using Temple OS. <laughs> that will certainly be a and disaster. We just see what happens. <laughs> we just see what, ha- where does that take us? Do, do we, do we go to greatness? Do we invent a spaceship that can go to Mars or do we end up in Gitmo by just doing whatever the weird interpretation of these random words says? We could. It's an option. That could be, it could be, it could be a way to live life. Well, you know, it's, it's it sounds like some people yes do man, live their life this way. made a vow to say yes to everything, and then it just took his life on this crazy adventure. You know? Yeah. It could be like that. And maybe maybe in a hundred years, people write books about the the Knights Davisons who consulted a computer program and, and massacred all of uh, Chihuahua <laughs> because God told them to, or, or whatever. I don't know. I don't know where that would lead us. Uh, or maybe, or maybe we solve, we cured cancer. It could go good or bad. You don't know. You know, so I guess that's, that's the one question is, should we pursue that? But, you know, in Terry's case, to give the, I guess to give the biggest defense of him that he, that he had, as he said, of course this works at one point because God's in control of all the parameters. That was how he, that was how he described what what he was doing. God's in control of all the parameters. And, if you ask a question and, and give the random numbers, God is in control of what happens and knows that you asked the question. And so therefore knows that it will influence you. And therefore it is fine because that is de, de facto by his knowledge of all those things means that that is a valid argument to make that this is, I don't buy that, but that's what he said. He also said he was God's chosen programmer, that he and he has endowed me with divine intellect, like the authors of the Bible. Uh, and he, like I said, thought he was married to a YouTube star who had a physics channel, who was an attractive lady, and he made a lot of videos. He also 
He also spent a string of about six months making videos specifically for the CEO of Google because he believed that Google was interested <laughs> and they never had any contact. Um, and uh, because of his condition, he he also invented the he also invented the first three D printer, by the way, or an early version of it. Really, it was a it was a automated milling machine, which could basically um, it didn't like print things, but it could take a block of metal or wood and like and he did this in like the early 80s or or whatever or maybe okay the late yeah 70s. yeah and like it would cut into the shape that you programmed it to do mm -hmm. which was amazing like smart very smart man and this but also in that's that's the crazy part and he was gonna sell this but it caught fire and like burned down his house and maybe some other people's houses oh man and he didn't go down that route for a while, and uh, his his he he worked. I think, uh, I think he I think he was a coder for Ticketmaster early in the day, and so he he did it. His life held together for a little bit, but as he got older, he just further fell down this hole of of insanity. And I don't know if it was a brain problem. I don't know if it was that. He, I don't know what happened. Uh, but he eventually had to move back in with his parents because he just couldn't be around people long enough to operate in a in the world. He spent all his time on the computer programming this crazy language and this crazy operating system and refining it over and over again while also live streaming about it and ranting and and getting more and more unhinged. And eventually uh, he he his parents had to kick him out because he became too dangerous and deranged. He actually Beat up his elderly father, who was quite old at the time. Oh, man. Uh, he got put out on the streets. He lived years on the streets of, of Las Vegas. And then somehow, he, then he went dark on the internet for a while. And then he showed back up in Oregon. And he's like alternating back and forth between, like he, he has glimmers. He has glimmers on his live streams of where he realizes he's not all there. So why, why like he's like, I want to know what the, yeah. the, De, the Divisians why why don't they see that the outcome of his life invalidates his p positions like it didn't ca it didn't cash out it didn't cash out for yeah him. i don't I, I think because there's a certain class of people that really believes in the the mad artist yeah like the like there's there's insanity but like and there is glimmers of truth in what he's saying right like surely like, he was he was very intelligent and talented yeah but it's just it's a twisted right, and so he ended up uh, he ended up like for a while he was live streaming himself dancing in a subway over and over again like a subway sandwich shop, not a subway train like a he was just there all the time, and uh, sometimes he would come on and give very lucid and interesting technical things about like how computers work that most people are like oh interesting, and then uh, then he would the next very next day he would be live streaming about like how he thinks someone stole his wife and that's why she hasn't come and she's locked up somewhere and he's trying to get the CIA to tell him and they won't. And it's, it's uh, upsetting. And like I said, he eventually gets run over by a train. I don't know if it was the driver of the train thought it was suicide, but it may have been, he didn't know who Terry was. And so Terry may have been lost inside his own head, talking to the voices there so much. He just didn't know the train was coming. Yeah. Uh, and we can't know. Um, we can't know. And so 
I mean, like I said, the Terry's legacy is an interesting, like the, the idea, I do like the idea of taking technology and like turning it for good, which is sort of what he was trying to do mm-hmm. was like technology doesn't have to be a thing that leads people into, cause he spent like so much time on Reddit under various names, both, pro- both promoting his operating system that was strange and, and most people didn't know how to install, uh, but also like attacking atheists and this was a very important thing to him because he felt that, that that was causing pain to them and other people, their atheism. And he would be on there and he'd be arguing with them and they'd say some point. And his, his words, he'd start addressing their point. And then like in the middle of the sentence, he'd say, God says, uh, show me listeners began uh, kick train. And then he'd continue on the thing. Like he had just consulted his own oracle about what God would say in this in mid-sentence. Whoa. It was... It was getting, uh, but, but what is his legacy? I guess, I guess he proved that, that you could, you can still, one man can still make a contribution in the computer world if he's dedicated and smart enough by himself, because he proved sort of that you could do something a lot of people probably didn't think was possible, which is build an operating system from the ground up by yourself and all the software that goes with it. And so you you it, it you don't you're not stuck with this Windows thing or 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 Mac if you don't want to be if you're smart like people can make another one.